What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Loot Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Resident Daryl, and tonight I have two very special guests. Uh, I would dare say, track record-wise, for at least the last quarter of the year, you guys might have more time in the seats than the actual co-host. We have Matt G. How you doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, I'm glad that we're all kind of getting over our COVID bouts. Uh, Thomas, I know you said you recently had some issues out there. Hopefully you're feeling better, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And we have our good friend of the show, Thomas Bag. How you doing, brother? Hey, man. Appreciate the invite. And uh, thank you for that, Matt. I am getting over that. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. And uh, look forward to this particular one, because this one's going to be fun. And I can't wait to talk about the music. That's all I can say. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So a little behind the scenes for how the sausage is made. We typically record at 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings. Eastern time. It is 925 because our friend Matt decided he was going to ask uh, Thomas and I questions about being parents. And we went on a 24 minute diatribe on raising our children. And uh, it's like, wow, way to have all this serious conversation before we talk about video games like a bunch of real mature adults. Well, as a person without kids myself, my fur babies are the closest thing I have. So I have to live vicariously through some other people and the way that they raise their kids. <laughs> hey, man, I was uh, just I'll back it up another half hour on the timeline. I was up putting my wife to bed and my little shit zoo was up there and he has really taken a liking to sleeping in the bed with us. He technically stays in the room with my youngest son, Paxton. That's technically Paxton's dog. But Milo and I, since I've been working from home, you know, you guys obviously see the pictures on Facebook. He and Chase are like two peas in a pod. They're always in my recliners behind me while I'm working. Well, when I'm not working, I jump in the chair and then the dogs just lay on top of me. You know, it's like a big, big cuddle sandwich. I'm trying to think of a non weird way to say that. <laughs> uh, but so Milo comes upstairs. I'm, t- I'm putting my wife to bed and he just jumps in the bed and he's like, hey, dad, you know, whatever. So then I like slap my hands on the bed and he gets all riled up and starts barking at me. So then for like a half hour up until we were, you know, it was time to send the link podcast. I was wrestling in the bed with my, my little shih tzu, like just going to town. We were biting each other, rolling around on the bed. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it looked like he was winning. I don't know. <laughs> so we were having a good time. We got really, really dig the fur babies. really like the dogs. So. I can definitely get down with, you know, when before we had kids, that was what we had. We had a, we had a Jack Russell. I, I, we had this beagle I've always hated. The thing's awful. It's always been a bad dog. <laughs> um, but, you know, this uh, Jack Russell we loved. And he was like my little ride or die homie. He went everywhere with my wife. Um, she and I were dating. We've been dating since high school. And so we've been together 21 years. And so this little uh, Jack Russell would jump in her little, in her little car with her. And, um, just ride around downtown when she was in college and stuff. And then just, we'd take him to the parks, man. We did everything with that dog. That dog was our kid until we had kids. And then we just had, you know, like real kids and then furry kids. So is that one dog still alive? Um, so my jet Russell passed away two years ago. Um, but the beagle, She's like 15, almost 16 years old. She's unfortunately still alive, yes. So, yes. So the dog you hate lives on, but the dog you loved has passed away. Absolutely. And the worst <laughs> part is this. The dog, okay, the, the beagle, she 
she's never been a good dog. I, I mean, I, I don't have any memories of this dog ever being good. It's always torn things up in the house. It's always done damage to the, I've told stories on the podcast. She chewed the, um, all the electrical components and the ductwork um, from our first place and tore up my uh, air conditioning unit. She chewed the power cord to the window unit we were using in our first home while the AC was getting repaired on the outside of the house. While it was still on, she electrocuted herself. She didn't die. She ripped up the floors in the house. In the she ripped up the linoleum floor in my second home while she was in her crate. She tore the metal prongs, the metal side of the cage, apart in one day, one one twelve. I mean, ten hour working shift, and then tore up my floor. My I have a size fourteen foot, and I put my foot down in that hole where she tore up the linoleum, and it was bigger than the entire. You know, yeah. This dog has done. I am not exaggerating like over $10,000 worth of damage to my homes. And they're like, I'm like crating her doesn't do it. Locking her up doesn't do it. I put, I put a fence out in my backyard. I went and bought all the fencing, made a fence. Uh, and then she just tore up the ho- the house. I mean, the thing is awful, awful, awful animal. But so, now that it's gotten, it's gotten older, she, she can't really get around good. And she doesn't really tear. I mean, she doesn't, she'll tear up the trash still, but like that's, that's, you know, negligible compared. Um, but this thing, her hips are bad. She can barely see. She can't really hear good. And now, um, I think she uses it as an excuse to just not hold her bowels because she just has like the walking turd. She just walks around the house and just drops turds. She doesn't stop and, and squat. She just walks and poops. So it's like I'm for doggy diapers. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah, man. It's time the, to it's visit the uh, the um, SCP or someplace. It's like you know. <laughs> Dead dog walking on a green mile, you know? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you give her that small hug, and, you know, it's like, well, I love you. Get this motherfucker out of my sight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny because my is, I bought this dog for my wife. This is, is let, let's I'm tell a little story. All right. So years and years ago, we had the Jack Russell. Okay. That was mine and her. That was our little compadre. The three of us, me, my wife, and Deuce. That was his name. Named after Deuce Bigelow. Love and that so, movie. He was the doggy gigolo. So um, this freaking dude it was just the wildest dog ever. He was so fun. He was so, he was bad, but he was like mischievous bad. Like he used to tear up my wife's underwear. And like one night he woke me up in the middle of the night and he had gotten a pair of her thongs out of the laundry basket and wrapped it around his entire torso. But like the butt crack part was like split down his face and the thong was technically upside down. So he had it split across his, uh, face perfectly like he was wearing a mask. This dude was but a he party was, animal in a former life, dude. He, he was. And it's so funny because he woke us up in the middle of the night whimpering. And we're like, what, what, what? And we turned the lamp on and looked. And Deuce has tied himself up in a thong. And he looked like the masked Avenger. Like, he looked like he was. <laughs> so my wife was like, I either need another dog or a child. But something needs to happen. So I ran out and got her another dog. Um, I was like, you know, this is, this is easy. We'll have. Uh, company for Deuce. She, we'll have another animal. And at the time, I was traveling pretty extensively with my band and still working full time. So I was like really trying hard not to have to stop. I was like, we were on, it felt like we were on the cusp of having a breakthrough with our band. We were getting invited to all these big festivals and opening for all these huge national acts. And I was like, man, if we just give it a little bit more time, something good's going to happen. Well, the music industry crashed shortly after. And then I had three kids. So, uh, it was all good. Um, but Cody, 
the her name is Dakota. We call her Cody. Cody, we bought the Beagle, and she is was like super attached to Deuce. If she was with Deuce, the Jack Russell, everything was fine. She didn't tear anything up. She didn't misbehave. But if she was ever separated from him, like if we ever took him with us and did something or put her in a cage, because we tried to crate train her. You put her in the crate, she would freaking lose it. She would yelp all night long. Like she would tear things up trying to get out. Like it was just, it was bad. So deuce passed. And then Cody's, you know, like blind and deaf, walking around, dropping little dookies all over the house, not giving an F about anything. And, uh, but I tell you what, man, if she thinks for one second you left the house and the trash can's out, all of a sudden her hips ain't bad. She can jump. She can do all these things, man. She'll tear a trash can to pieces, but she can't hear. So she doesn't know when you come home or when you walk into the room. So she'll she's catch, Uncle she'll... Joe from Willy Wonka who's been lying in the bed <laughs> for 40 years and then jumps out after uh, his, his uh, grandson gets the golden ticket. Yep, that's exactly that's exactly what it is. But the golden t- tickets are just a pile of trash. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's my dog. I don't know where we, how we got here, but um, the dog is awful. It will live forever. It will outlive me. And I made her tombstone over a year ago, and she's still, she's probably healthier now than she has been in the past probably five years. <laughs> she's lost a ton of weight, but she's like down to like a healthy weight now. And I'll send you guys a picture, but she's got this giant mass on her chest. It's like a tumor, but it's bigger than a softball. We're like getting cantaloupe size. And we've had it tested several times. It's a benign fatty tumor, but it looks like a giant, like a giant doggy booby. And so that's what the kids call it. They're like, that's Cody's one booby. (laughs) I got this beagle who walks around with this giant tit tearing stuff up and pooping in my floor. That's my life in a nutshell. Welcome to the Lupros for your <laughs> top of the line for baby talk. That's right. We're here to talk about video games, and you just got 10 minutes of this is all oh. animal that, that lives in my house. There's going to be somebody looking at their phone or their Spotify being like, I, what did I download? <laughs> what am I doing here? So, awesome. All right, guys, this is Loop Bros Podcast. As Matt said, we are here to talk about video games. This particular episode, we're not going to be talking about my dog's boob. We're going to be talking about siphon filter. Okay, so when we get to the this week's official topic, we're going to be talking about siphon filter. This is our, uh, <clears throat> Kali calls it the game of the month club, but the commissioner, JT, uh, has expressed his disinterest in that name. So this is the Loot Bros official game club. This is the third edition. And for those of you patrons, all anyone who is subscribed to our Patreon, hey, and a little uh, pro tip, even if you don't subscribe at any of the tiers, if you just follow our Patreon and sign up for Patreon, I think I think that's how it works. I've, I'm a paying subscriber for Patreon for a couple of different places. I don't even know how Patreon works without paying, but I believe you get access to our poll, even if you're not a paying member. I could be wrong. Someone might want to fact check me on that one, but I can't tell because I'm a paying member and I'm also the owner. So it's hard for me to it's hard for me to tell. That being said, five hours ago, the the next list for the Loot Bros Game Club number four has gone live. Would you guys like to hear the list of games that we have out there? Absolutely. I saw the list. It, it's pretty massive. People got their choice. 
I, I, I've been trying to you know, get a little feedback. I've been very quietly, secretly, sometimes out in the open, asking for a little bit of feedback from the patrons. And I took some of the games that have been thrown around on the first couple lists. And I was like, let me just make a bigger list. So we've been doing 10 games at a time. And I was like, all right, I want to put a little something on there for everybody. So I did 15 games this time. Now, it won't always be 15 games, but this time it is 15 games okay, that you can choose from if you're a patron. And that list is as follows. Now, all of these games are on some sort of or both of the major subscription services and or have been offered as a PS Plus, uh, Xbox Live Gold, or a Epic Games free game. I tried to pick something that the majority of the people who play games on a mo- in the modern age have access to and or not only are they on a subscription service, but you can find them really cheap if you chose to purchase your copy. So. They are High on Life, Batman Arkham Knight, which is on both subscription services, um, Game Pass and Plus Premium, uh, Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc, Doom 2016, which is on both, Alan Wake, uh, Far Cry 5, which is on both, Injustice 2, which is on both, Marvel's Avengers, which is on both, uh, so is Maneater, Biomutant, Mass Effect. Now, when I put Mass Effect on there, I figured we might have a conversation if this one is chosen. My personal um, suggestion would be we play the first Mass Effect. But if the community voted for Mass Effect, which there are some votes for it now, and everyone was like, no, 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 we got to do two or three, you know. Two, I would, two being I, the best. Two being the best. I hear. I hear two's the best. So I'm open to that being Mass Effect one, two, or three. I don't particularly care. But I wanted to put something on there with a little bit of variety. Uh, Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, Skyrim, The Evil Within, and Yakuza, or Yakuza, Like a Dragon. So we've got a little bit of something for all tastes on this list. We got a little bit of horror. We got a little bit of Japanese. We got some first-person shooters. We got some fighting games. We got some third-person action-adventure. Uh, we got some stuff that's serious. We got some stuff that's less serious. We got a couple different RPGs on there because I was told, hey, we didn't necessarily do the RPGs on the first two lists. And we've also got some turn-based uh, variety on there. So try to get a little something for everybody. Right now, High on Life has some votes. Batman Arkham Knight has some votes. Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc has some votes. Mass Effect and The Evil Within. So you guys have, we're going to do a week from the time that this went live that we will, you know, see what we get. And then we'll go from there. That'll be our next game of the month club. Typically in the past, I put the list out before we recorded, uh, but I didn't put the list out until today. So we'll give it a week. And if there is a tie like last month, we'll, we'll turn that over to the community and let them vote on the tiebreaker. So. Uh, what do you guys think? You think that's a good enough list, uh, Thomas? Well, that, is that a list of games you're interested in? Well, I really think that if they do pick Skyrim, that a month later we'll have to come back and do Skyrim HD. The following month we'll have to do <laughs> Skyrim with, um, you know, for the PS4, and then a month later we'll have to do Skyrim for the PS5 with extra graphic upgrades, and then we'll have to do Skyrim 5.6 virtual reality Skyrim, and then Skyrim. <laughs> You know, forever. So please do not pick Skyrim for the love of God. Thomas, can I get to you? How much <laughs> is she paying you? Uh, I actually specifically put that one on there. Two two game clubs in a row for for Kali. So 
<laughs> she likes that Skyrim. She likes old Todd Howard's God Rays. So, uh, but speaking of Patreon, all you patrons can go on there and get your vote on. You guys decide. But what we want to do right now is toast to our Patreon producers. So, finishing up the year of December 2022, the year of our Lord, uh, our patrons are. Sadik, I want to give a huge shout out to Sadik. He's been, uh, he left some nice feedback on the Patreon for this particular thread and he left a nice little comment on my YouTube page for our video earlier. So thank you for that, Sadik. Thank you for all your support. Uh, we got CJ, the Affectations Donk, and our good friend from Australia. We have, my name is Effing Mayo. We have MZ Effing Nitro. And we have uh, Johnny. Uh, thank you guys so much for all your support. Um, for you know, following us and and getting in on that producer tier of the Patreon, greatly appreciate you guys. And this ice cold knockoff monster is for you. <sighs> so, um, a little bit more in the way of housekeeping, and then we'll get into the show proper. Uh, we are launching in technically by the time you hear this, well, this will already have been live. So check your podcast feeds, Patreon, and the free feeds. <laughs> Guys, uh, we are getting behind some friends in the community. We're there, we just launched a podcast that gives the rules for the 2023 um, trophy looting. God, what is it called again? Trophy looting trophy contest. Anyways, Gaz Davis uh, in our uh, in our community. Jeez, I can't even talk. All right, he is basically hosting a trophy hunting competition. Uh, myself, Gaz, and Tricky all got together and we recorded kind of a breakdown on the rules and what, how to participate, how to play. That will be in your podcast feed if you're listening to this right now. You guys go check it out. Uh, this is going to be a trophy rarity event. That's what it is. It's about rare trophies. You don't necessarily have to do a bunch of game playing and game hunting and anything crazy. Uh, go check out the podcast for all the rules and the breakdown of it. It's going to be a good time. And this is going to be a co-sponsored event between the Loot Bros and the Trophy Whores. And who knows, another opportunity for me to spank y'all's boy Tricky Mick in another competition. So. Definitely go check that out. We appreciate you, Gareth. Uh, we call you uh, Gaz by your by your PlayStation uh, tag. Thank you guys so much for putting that out there. And we are stoked to be a part of it. Uh, the only other thing of, of, I guess, housekeeping I have, guys, is we just dropped another YouTube video on the Resident Daryl YouTube channel. This one, I say we because it's me and my children. Uh, we went and got a... I ordered a box of video games and a console off of Facebook Marketplace. And uh, I didn't actually look through the list of games that came with it because I believe there was 14 in the box plus the console. I saw the console. I saw one particular game that I know resells for a lot. So I ordered it. They shipped it over to me in a box and I had my kids open it up and break through it. So for them, it was a mystery box. It was like, oh no, what's in there? And then we did a little bit of an over and under guessing the value of the the games and the total value of the entire box of stuff. It was a lot of fun. The kids had a blast doing it. And so far the feedback's been really good on the video. So go check that out if you're interested in stuff like that. And I think Matt actually wanted to kind of give you credit for this one because you had tagged me in a video of some guy on YouTube who bought a random box of video games from eBay. I believe it's like a game store that, that puts these together. When the particular video you tagged me in, it was like, this is $700 worth of video games. Is it worth it? 
And I watched that video. I was like, man, that is so freaking cool. I would love to do that. So now I'm researching. I actually still have the tabs brought up different um, mystery boxes. So there's some of them that start for like 14 bucks for five games. Some that are 30 or $40 for 10 to 15 games. So on and so forth, all the way up to where you can pay, you know, I'm saying a thousand dollars for a box of video games. So I think what I'm going to do is I think, it, you know, every so often, I'm not going to say monthly, but I'm in my head, I'm thinking maybe once a month, order one of these random box of video games and then get with the kids, open it up, see what's in there, see what's valuable, resell what we can, and then buy the next box and do this. So on and so forth, because the kids had a really good time and like, I had a blast as a dad watching them get excited for what was in the box, even though they technically have no real interest into it. Like, like they saw a PlayStation three. None of my kids are going to buy a PlayStation three. None of my kids are going to play a PlayStation three rather. Right. They got PS fours, PS fives They're They're done with that. But like when they opened it up, Paxton was like, Oh, it's a PS three. Like it was so cool to him. And just seeing that kind of stuff is super exciting. So, are they going to come with you to your booth at the con? Um, yeah, I need I need a booth at the con. So, so I, I'd love to take credit, but I honestly don't remember tagging you in a video like that. So, mm, let me see. Let me look. Now you're making me feel feel some kind of look, way. I'd love to take credit, but like if somebody else did it, then they get they should get the credit. I generally. If it wasn't you that tagged me in that video, something happened in my brain. And I've thought about you ever since I watched it. And then every time I watch one of these videos, I think about Matt. Living in your your head rent free. Well, hey, you know what? You made it such a strong impression. So uh, what I'm going to do is as we go through the show, I'm going to scroll through and try to figure out uh, who it was that tagged me in that video because then I want to give them credit for it, but you'll forever live in my memory. <laughs> All Man, right, this Matt. is going to irk me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm scrolling through now. So why don't you do this? Why don't you tell us what you've been playing while I find uh, this particular video? So I've been playing a whole bunch of different games. The obviously siphon filter leading up to this. And I, I have to admit to everybody, I didn't, get to play as much of it as I hope because it's a tough game and we'll go more into that later but I also finished up my second playthrough of I was a teenage exocolonist my pledge game for the month CJ uh, I'm gonna have some thoughts for you here I, I played through it once thought I wanted to do my thoughts and impressions but I wanted a second playthrough. The game does a lot of neat stuff to on repeat playthroughs. And I just I have too many other things I want to do, so we're not going to do a third, fourth, or fifth playthrough. At least not now. But I have enough to give my general ideas and impressions on it. And it's a really neat little game. So thank you for giving me the chance to play it. Something I would otherwise never play. I've jumped back into Elden Ring a little bit. I started a new playthrough. Didn't do much with that. I have dived hard into Death Stranding uh, for everybody who's been paying attention during the holiday season. Epic does their typical give a free game away each day, and they gave away Death Stranding Director's Cut, which evidently was an error because 
the Epic Game Store crashed and something happened. They stopped giving the game away for a couple minutes. And then when it came back, it was the base game. Mm. I was lucky enough to grab the director's cut myself. So having never finished that on the PS4, I'm now going through it and playing it on my Steam Deck, actually, because you can install this thing called the Heroic Game Launcher, and it allows you to install your Epic Game Store games on the Steam Deck. Nice. And I've said it's it's a pretty damn good mobile game because you can have something like a podcast or a movie or a YouTube on in the background because there are very long, boring stretches of walking in the game. And it's the perfect companion for that. So I've been playing that a bunch. I've got like about five hours in it so far. You weren't carrying a gun with you, were you? Uh, No, I was not. Okay, I was just making sure because that game made me want to commit suicide more times than I ever did in real life. That is the most boringest game. As you know, I, I, I love Hideo Kojima, but that dude basically makes about 15 to 20 minutes worth of gameplay and then just makes like a very long movie that that if you would just take away the the movie parts of his games you basically have maybe 20 minutes of gameplay and this time he decides to rather than give him 20 minutes of gameplay make him walk 50 fucking miles or 50 <laughs> hours throughout a fucking game and it's so damn boring i hit Put it this way, I'm already bald. I pulled out what little hair I have left playing that damn game with how bored I was. And then not only, not only that, <laughs> is that I, I, you ever play indie games? There's this game called Drowning. It's supposed to be uh, like help yes. you not, not yes. commit suicide. I never wanted to commit suicide more playing that game. Yes. So it, it's I, called Drowning. Can, it's horrible. I can appreciate it. I will never tell anybody that their experience of a game is wrong. I find that there's moments that it's lethargic, that it allows me to just um, chill and experience the world. It feeds into my OCD side because you get to stack all of your, your deliveries and do it in the most efficient way possible so you're not tripping over yourself. Don't get me wrong, there are sections that are extremely frustrating. And it could be very boring, which is why I said it's a great companion game. That way I could put a movie on in the background while yep. I'm playing it on my Steam Deck. So that's like because, having sex with a three with the lights on. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I may be bad <laughs> at math. I don't care if it's a three or it's a ten. <laughs> oh, shit, my, my wife listens to this podcast Fuck. um love you honey anyways yeah Say, it's zero ten don't worry absolutely <laughs> um so yeah it, it, i admit it's rough in sections it's boring in sections but being able to play it with something on in the background has made it more tolerable so i i may actually push through and get to where i need to in the game this time uh, also, I've been putting more time into Sonic Frontiers. Uh, Thomas, thank you again for re- uh, pointing me in the right direction that the game was on sale. You're the reason why I went out to GameStop and actually picked it up, and I'm having a good time with it. I'm on the third island. It's There's sections that it, it can be Pacing is wrong, but outside of that, it's a good game. Yeah, it, it's it's... It's a weird combination that they they give the cartoony version of Sonic, but then in this really hyper realistic world with all these 
weird obstacles. But I will say this, the boss fights and the music are astounding. It is a lot of fun. So if you get a chance, if it's on sale, pick it up. I, I think there are people, the Sonic traditionalists may actually enjoy it. Hey, I wanted to chime in real fast and and offer a correction and apologize. It was MZ Effin Nitro that tagged me in that video. So, Matt, you'll forever be in my memory. Okay, I will associate you with this video for whatever reason. But it was MZ that shared the link. As a matter of fact, it was December 14th that he shared the link. I don't know why I got Matt from that. But hey, it is what it is. Well, um, I'm glad MZ can get the credit. That's right. So MZ gets all the credit. Shout out to MZ. Matter of fact, another, a little extra <laughs> going out to him. But while I'm talking about it, the company that d- did the mystery box in that particular video uh, is uh, Double Jump Video Games. So they have, and I'm only saying this because I'm really thinking about going in. They have a mystery box at $24.99, a mystery box at $49.99, 99 dollars 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 99 I really am. So I'm kind of put that out there. Your boy might be getting into mystery boxes because that was so cool <laughs> watching this and then watching my kids open this box from from uh, Facebook. It was just clicking. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then again, playing over and under with the kids and yeah, just trying to get the value on this stuff. So fun. So, all right. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry. I just want to jump in and it was a little bit of a break and say shout out to MZ for the great recommendation. Not Matt. So that's all I've been playing. Uh, Thomas, how about you? Well, I too wanted to get into some mystery boxes, but my wife said no and she'd asked for a divorce. But outside of that, um, I've been that's playing uh, <laughs> I've been playing Evil West, which I'm almost done with. I enjoyed that. Um, King of the Fighters 16, which if you love fighting games and I posted on the site uh, when it was on sale for fifteen bucks is definitely worth it if you like fighters. Um, I'd also tell you if um, you've never played a Requiem's Tale Innocence or a Requiem's Tale, uh, I can't think of the second one that's free on a uh, game Gamer Pass for the Xbox. Yeah. Both of those are amazing games. They're so fun, so well put together, w- well told stories. Of course, I've been doing Stray a little bit back and forth, and um, for some reason, I don't know if it was you or someone else told me to pick up the new Saints Row because I got it like on sale, like dirt cheap, for, like like I think it was either fifteen or twenty bucks. Man, that game is trash, and I really wanted to love it because I love the other, um, you know, the other Saints Row games, even though they were kind of goofy. Uh, two being the best Saints Row game ever. Anybody wants to prove me wrong, go ahead. I can give you many reasons why two is super good, but it's a great uh, game. This Saints Row to me is just, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they decided to do. Um, I have no love for that game. And then, uh, of course, um, I tr- I'm i playing uh, Forspoken again, the demo, and trying to convince myself, should I pre-order it? And then, of course, um, I'm really excited about uh, 
I think everybody's excited about the new Harry Potter, man. I mean, I you just hope that it's going to be the game you wanted, and they're going to have the Quidditch game in from the uh, the GameCube because that was a good game. On if you ever played the Quidditch game, they have like soccer on on a uh, little broomsticks, but it was a fun game. Question, Thomas? Yes, sir. With the Forspoken demo, I, I loaded it up. I started playing it. I felt like they threw a hell of a lot of different mechanics and controls at you at the beginning. I was wondering how you felt on that. I felt it was a hell Mary of basically taking Final Fantasy 15 and then just like, all right, so we're going to take the same concept, but we're going to put a girl into the, you know, that kind of world. Cause it, it feels like it's a, just a copy and paste and just give her magical powers without any real melee powers. Does that make any sense to you? A little bit. I, I didn't get that Final Fantasy feeling. I, I just felt like it was... With, with, without Final that, Fantasy, I'm just saying they're just trying to yeah. put it into that kind of kind of world and not be Final Fantasy and just have a, a different take. But I'm really hoping that the demo they gave you was just kind of like a tech demo that really has nothing to do with the game itself. Uh, and then basically we'll see how it goes from there. And I think by putting out that demo... It was more or less to give you feedback of what people thought, what people didn't like, and then they can make small changes. Because remember, most of the time when they do these things, they do make changes to the game. Uh, they did that with Final Fantasy Fifteen, if you remember. I think it was like about like six months or a year before it came out, and they put out that one demo, and then uh, everybody played the hell out of it. And then when you the actual game came out, you see all the changes they made in the combat system. I mean, does that make sense, or I mean, am I just yeah, no, I, 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 I don't. No, I don't think. It, from my understanding, is this game has had a small, troubled development cycle. So the demo coming out, it was clean. It 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 did what it was supposed to do, and I'm hoping when the game actually comes out, they introduce some of the spells and the mechanics a little more slowly and drip feed you, so that way you get a chance to use them and and uh, start to. M- you know, develop that muscle memory. It just, it wasn't there when they're dumping all the stuff on you in a demo, trying to get you to experience everything that they want to show you. And I think that was just a poor way to put out the demo. Well, I was the writing in the demo. It's, it's subpar, but the one thing I want is what he's talking about with having all these different spells is I want every spell to have a meaning. In other words, when she finds it or she gets it, it has a meaning and a deep expression of why she uses it or why she should use it to fight with and like it means something to her in other words it's not just it's not just you know a, a weapon to be used or wield against somebody it has to have a reason to be used and why she's using it and she should feel you know you know where it's like um like in the harry potter series like using abracadabra you know the the kill spell if you right. that spell has meaning and there's and, and that's the one thing I hope in the Harry Potter game too is that anytime you cast any spell, there's a reason or a purpose behind it. It's not just cast for the sake of being cast. There has to be a purpose that you're using that particular spell or or, or casting that particular potion or making a particular potion. I, I, I look far too deep into meaning for stuff that I shouldn't look for. No, but no I mean, that's just, good. That's good. I stuff. just want stuff to, to have a meaning. Living. I'm that way with writing, dude. Like when, whenever, like, I'm not a good writer. 
But whenever I'm like into story and I'm into like a comic book or a movie or a show or a game, like I want the writing to be meaningful and I want the story to have depth. And, and I'm this, I'm the same way. I'm always looking for something that sometimes maybe isn't even there. And, uh, that's why I asked because for spoken's writing is so cringe. Like the trailers they showed so far is just screamed like peel your skin off of cringe. So I'm hoping that it's, it's not going to be as bad as it seems like it's going to be. So evidently what it is in the, in the anime world, we call this isekai, where you're brought from your home environment, your planet, and you're brought into like this fantastical world. Like any, and it's like, what was that? Like any Asha. Yes, absolutely. And what it is, it's like this magical band she's wearing, and it has its mind of its own. And at the start, it's kind of like they're antagonistic towards each other because she just wants to go home. And he's stuck with her trying to figure out what to do next. And I think they develop that relationship throughout the game is what I've been reading. Hmm. But uh, I, I mean, I hope for good things for it. I mean, I haven't pre-ordered it yet. I still need to, you know, see more videos on it. And, you know, it's just I hate being on the fence about that game because people are going to think I'm a fair weathered fan. But Square Enix has put out some stinkers lately. And uh, that stinker being Platinum's games, uh, Babylon Falls, which, <laughs> um, you know, sucks so hard. And I had high hopes because it's from Platinum Games. And I'm like, OK, these are the guys who made Bayonetta. These are the yeah. guys who made all types of cool games. There's no way this game's going to suck. And then I got it, and I was like, I know this game sucks. And I'm like, I, I, I talked to a friend. I'm like, man, this game sucks. I'm like, no, man, this game's awesome, man. It's from Platinum Games, and Square Enix is not going to put out a stinker. And lo and behold, their servers are already gone. I mean, it's like you wasted your money. And this would have been a – I don't know if you remember, like, a couple years ago when they had, like, the um the PlayStation show or whatever, and they were showing it off at the show, and, the, and it looked so cool, and the concept looked so cool. And then you, and then the, uh, the beta, the alpha, came out to the general public to play for PlayStation 5, and you played it, and you were thinking, oh, man, this thing's going to be super cool. And next thing you know, it's like you get the game, like, this is no better than the alpha or the beta that came out for us to generally play. What did I get myself into? Thank God I was able to like get, I mean, I think I traded that for like five bucks or I, I don't even know what I even traded it for. I'm just, thank God I don't longer have it. And I feel sorry for, I, I'm, I apologize to the person I traded that to and that you can no longer <laughs> play it, but at least you got a good paperweight and you can always say, look, I got a, a, one of the worst platinum games ever made. Yeah, I want a co- I want a physical copy of that game. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about all these games that are dead on the servers and stuff, like having a physical copy of them, even though they're no good anymore. Like I kind of want almost like a collection of these games that are just nothing. Because there, you know, one day someone's going to be like, "Man, I wish I had that." And uh, I thought about this to too. Be I able about- to play it. <laughs> yeah, I know you can't do anything with it, you know, but um I was thinking about this too. I was thinking about doing like a challenge for the YouTube uh for myself and Zach where we have to like over the course of an amount of time collect 
however many copies we can of like really crappy or really discounted games. Like I want to give an example, right? Obviously Babylon's fall would be great because uh, GameStop employees were instructed to start throwing those away. Not too long ago. I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about how someone wrote in and was like, yeah, we were told to just to get rid of these, not to sell them anymore. And they were telling stories about how like, you know, people were just throwing copies away of games that when they're told not, when they're told not to sell them anymore. So, um, I'm just thinking, man, how, how cool would it be when one of these like real stinkers comes out to like collect, you know, as many of them as possible within like a 30 day period or something. I don't know, but you still have a PlayStation two, correct? Oh yeah. Do you have the two residents evil online survival games? I I can't Uh, remember the name of them. Outbreak and outbreak two. They're out. They're called Outbreak and Outbreak Two because, like, one of them's yep. where you're in the zoo and stuff like that. I yep. Can't, I can't yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Those yeah, were actually pretty good. They really are, and they're getting up there in price right now. Like, those are getting to be, you know, fairly. I was picking those games up. I think I've got like five or six copies of. No, I can had you five play or those six offline, of... or you can only play those you, online. You can play them offline. Okay. Oh, so you're actually given the option. For that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, this was, yeah. I mean, like, granted, you know, half of the game was playing online with other people because you kind of need their abilities and stuff, but you can beat the game without being online. Um, but yeah, that game, it's getting, it was getting to where that was getting a little pricey. I think File Two's a $30 or $40 game right now. So makes me want to look it up. All right. But, so I'm going to segue into Siphon Filter. And talk hang on, about. Hang on, okay. hang on, hang on. Before, before you do that, I have I, I got a list of games I got to go over. All right. So I, I know I'm excited to talk about it too because that is one of the games I've been playing, but I'm not going to go into that one just yet. All right. Uh, I've been playing Gotham Knights. This is another game that came out, and it sh- all signs point towards this being a pretty good and fun game. Boo. And then uh, yeah, it's a, it <laughs> came out as a bit of a stinker. Boo. I gotta be honest, man. I'm having a quite a blast with this game. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you have fun with a game that other people are saying is crap? You're enjoying the grind. It is very grindy, but the man, I'm telling you, as someone who read a lot of the comics they pulled inspiration from, dude, the story missions are so freaking good. Um, I played the Clayface boss fight today. Who's your main? Spoilers. Um, Batgirl's my main, and then Nightwing's my second. Uh, but what I'm doing, uh, shout out to Tricky Mick. Uh, he told me because he platinum the game. He's like, if you're gonna go for the platinum, you really need to get um their knighthood abilities and challenges done before you beat the game, so you don't have to do any game plus on it. Uh, but I'm I'm having a really good time with the game. It has some very glaring flaws. Um, but. As far as like a moment to moment fun game to play, I'm quite enjoying it. And the the story missions that are related to certain bosses are awesome. Not only are they awesome, but the boss fights so far have been exceptionally good. Uh, the Harley Quinn boss fight was really good. Everything leading up to Harley Quinn was awesome. And essentially, the way the game is broken up is broken up into um, night patrols. So uh, you have your your crew of four people. You have uh, uh, Tim Drake, Robin. You got Jason Todd, Red Hood. You've got uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. And you've got Dick Grayson, Nightwing. Batman's dead. The opening cinematic is like... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. 
Oh, I mean, they, they advertised the game as the uh, <laughs> the first trailer was if you're if you're seeing this, I'm dead. Um, uh, folks, we couldn't get Kevin Conroy, so <laughs> we killed Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, James Gunn came in and and, and oh, did everything. Oh no, <laughs> freaking douche. Um, but yeah, so uh, so Batman's dead, and the Bat family is left to protect Gotham. And with Batman being gone, the criminals are going buck wild as they as they do. So basically, the way that the, the, the game is set up is this open world. And you go all over Gotham and you have like random crime events. You have premeditated crime events that show up on your map. And then you have like story missions and side missions, essentially, that kind of give you clues that lead towards your um, next mission, your next uh, story you know, point chapter or what have you. And you can just kind of ride around and do everything. You can go get collectibles. You can go do whatever you want to do. And then when you're done, you go back to your hideout for the night. You regroup. You put all your evidence on this evidence board. You can swap between your team. You can upgrade your stuff. There's a lot of Marvel's Avengers DNA in the way that the upgrade system and the kind of nature and feel of the co-op, how it works. Um, Not saying that's good or bad because the co-op in Avengers was actually pretty fun when you played with somebody, but it seemed completely unnecessary. The gear system it seems completely unnecessary as well, albeit I'm playing on an easier difficulty and it's just kind of like negligible. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, but the gear looks cool. Like as you get new gear and as you upgrade your suits, there's like some pretty cool designs and stuff. Story missions are good. The writing is atrociously bad when it comes to the dialogue. Like this is one of the cringiest games I've ever played in my life to the point that I don't even want to have the voices on except for the fact that the story missions are so incredibly good. It is so bipolar from the moment to moment dialogue to these stories. It's almost to like be fair, they're Canadians. Not only they're Canadian, but like I have heard rumor. I didn't do the research, so I don't know for sure, but it sounds like the, the same person that wrote this game, um, did some writing for, um, Oh man, I forgot now. Another game that came off really bad like that. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's just really bad. There's a line. I kid you not, right? One of the one of the when the, the first times you meet one of the enemies, one of the normal grunts or whatever that comes out with like a drone, this chick, dude, whatever, comes out of this win- this door and he's like, This is something Mr. Drony, time for the p- or pew pew. It was like Mr. Drony or, or or something pew pew time or whatever. I was like, I I was like, what the f did they just say? Like this is so stupid. Like it is so bad, and there's so much like that. Like I did a race with Nightwing, and he's like Fast and the Furious. Oh yeah, Nightwing style. Oh, I'm coming up on a turn. Oh, not gonna lose this one. And it's just like. So bad, like it's so 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 cringy and stupid and pointless, and like the imbalance of Red Hood's character, like he's 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 very much comes off as like Raphael from the Ninja Turtles, right? In the first movie, the the TMNT movie, where he's got this real bad attitude, right? He's like raging mad all the time for no reason. That's a good so, like, movie, dude. It is a good movie, right? Okay, but in this game, Red Hood during the cutscenes is like raging mad like i could just go off the handle at any time and everyone's like seems to be on pins and needles around him 
But then you play Red Hood in the missions, and he's super helpful. Uh, B, oh, yeah, I'm almost like Casey Jones. I just want to beat the cracks and skulls and be a, a dude, bro. And it's just, it, it's just so imbalanced. Like the, the writing is so bad when it comes to the moment-to-moment dialogue, the things that the, the enemies say, the things that the heroes say. Like, it is bad. Um, something else that's really bad is the open world setup because you have to travel so far between your crimes and your missions and stuff. It's just, and you don't have, you know how like in Arkham Knight and uh, you know, Arkham City, Batman could run and jump off a building and you could glide forever because you have a cape. I'm 15 hours into this game and I just got my first glider. So you can't run and jump off a building and and traverse. You know what I'm saying? Like you have your grapple, but you almost have to do this weird timing game where it's like I run off a building, I hit the grapple, and I have to time my jump so that then I'll bounce off of it and then I can do the next grapple. Or you get you can just summon in your motorcycle that's very stiff and not fun to drive. It's not near as fluid and as versatile as the Batmobile from Arkham Knight. So it leaves traversing in the game like to be very less than desirable. On top of that, there's no good story beats or dialogue to kind of move you through the game. There's no Grand Theft Auto style radio to entertain you. You just have these quippy, really bad one-liners if you have anything at all. And you do so much traveling from point to point that my pro tip for the game would be unlock the fast travel points as soon as possible. Like the minute they open up, unlock them and use them to get through the game because it's not fun to travel. They advertise these little gliders that you could use and double jump and jump with in the game, but you don't get that until you do certain story missions. And for me, I didn't do those until, like I said, I was about 14 hours into the game. So for like, seriously, the first 14 hours of the game, I'm very much struggling with the traveling. Like I don't enjoy it. Like it's not fun. The motorcycle is not terrible, but it's just not great. So it's just kind of like, man, I hate doing this. So if you, Take that with the dialogue being bad. Like it is very easy to want to turn this game off and never go back. The thing that's held it together for me is the combat's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty fun. It's not necessarily an Arkham style combat. Like it's a little simpler. And each character plays different enough to where you could kind of like, if you want to play a third person shooter, just get Red Hood and just hold L2 and shoot at people, you know? Um, and you could very well do that and be successful depending on the difficulty you play on. So overall, the gameplay is good. The story missions are great. The customization and the character models and stuff are good. The game looks great. It's running really well on PS5. I don't have any issues with that. But like the writing is so treasurely bad. Now, boss fights, stellar. So I highly recommend if you're going to play this game. I mean, I read online you could mainline this game in like six hours, six, seven hours. So if you pick it up on a sale and you just want to mainline it and do the main story stuff, but like the Court of Owls stuff is really awesome. Mr. Freeze stuff is really awesome. The Clayface missions were freaking cool. So if the game ended right now, I would still be very happy with it. I'm very much enjoying my time with it, despite some of these glaring issues that are super annoying and the crazy amount of collectibles and grinding you got to do. So, but overall, it's been fun, you know? Throw on a podcast, play the game, pause the podcast during the missions, rock and roll. It's good. It's a good game. Overall, it's a good game, and I'm enjoying it. 
So, so Batman's such a dick that all he left him was all the same motorcycles. Like, here, share the same motorcycle. I'm not going to give you any more good gear now that I'm dead. Yeah. Well, it's like this. It's like, here's an invisible cloaking technology, and I can basically warp a motorcycle to you, but you only get one. You got to split it between the four of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, that's, that's a lot. That's a, that's a heck of a <laughs> impressions for Gotham Knights. But so far, I'm, I'm quite enjoying myself. I will platinum this game 100%. I will platinum this game. I'm, I'm in it strong enough. To where I could, I'm going to go all the way. Like I'm, there's something would crazy would have to happen to stop me from platinum in this game. Um, I've been playing uh, Maramosa, uh, Maramasa. I can't remember how to say Maramasa uh, Rebirth on the Vita. Um, I, I so I got a friend of mine. If you guys have been watching my little YouTube videos, this guy named Les that I've talked about a few times. Um, he and I've been messaging back and forth. He said he picked up a Vita and was kind of like asking about games that are good to play. So I was like, man, I really need to put together like a list of like my favorite games that I've played on Vita. What are some other good ones? And while I was kind of like very slowly putting together a list, kind of like on a, on a little document on my phone, I came across a YouTube video and I don't even know how I found it. I guess it was just in my feed, but it was like 150 like you know, gems on the PlayStation Vita. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll watch it. And it had a list of games actually listed out in the comment section or in the, in the bio of, of, of every game listed on the thing. I was like, oh, that's awesome. So what I did was while my kids and I were playing this game called Inscription, which I'll talk about that in a second, I was just going through the Vita and I had that list brought up. And I was like, let me just go through and, and just see what I have on this list that I haven't played yet that I own and let me download it. And Miramasa Rebirth was one of those games. I was like, oh man. So I watched the video on it, and it is this, you know, side scroll, very vibrantly colored, awesome hack and slash game. And so I started it. I played this tutorial. It is a very beautiful game. Um, combat is super fluid. Uh, it seems very Japanese inspired, like lots of uh samurai slashing and blood. <laughs> played the tutorial, and I was like, yep, this is cool. I'm gonna dig into this one a little bit more. Don't really have much more to say about it other than I just played the first 15, 20 minutes of it. Popped my first trophy. Pretty stoked about that. Been playing this card game called Inscription. Have you guys heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So you, you're familiar, you guys are familiar with Inscription? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I'm sure I won't do a great job um, explaining it, but there's like this. Uh, there's this card game essentially that you're playing, and it's 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 weird because it's almost set up like it's almost like there's a board game, almost like a, like in the first act, it's like a top down. You're this little almost like it's almost like a board game, really, like a little figure that kind of moves around these little spots, and you have these card game battles with different characters in the game with a bit of a I don't want to say a demonic kind of undertone, but there's definitely a very evil. Um, sinister you know, undertone, some monster creatures kind of in there. Art style is somewhere in the vein of Undertale and Bendy and the Ink Machine, like uh, dark and gritty, but still a little pixelated. And there's this really interesting card game that you have to play, and you have to kind of balance like the moves you can make and with the animals that you can sacrifice, and then you can kind of pull your own teeth out to get extra moves and to do. Uh, certain things and it's and there's like this little uh scale essentially that like you accumulate points and the scales tip and whoever 
essentially skips the tips the scale completely in their favor. Um, wins the match or whatever. It's a pretty interesting game. Uh, my son and I are going to do a, a deep dive on it. So he is really, really into it. Uh, we played it together in quotes, but basically us playing it together was me watching him play and him explaining the game to me and my youngest. And then we went through Act 1, and we are at the end of Act 2 right now. Act 2 takes a bit of a curve for me. The art style changes. There's some, like, breaking the fourth wall, almost like uh, full motion video kind of stuff going on in there. It's a little whack. Uh, the first act was really, really good and really cool. And the soundtrack is really good. Some really good um, eerie acoustic um, tones in there and some and some jingles and freaking... Uh, there's a the one the main theme essentially for the first act is very similar to uh, Hunt Showdown, like that opening theme song. So overall, my impressions were super super hot in in the first act. Second act, I was very much out of it. It's very Undertale art style changes. Your game changes a little bit. Didn't really care for that too much, but and then the, of course breaking the fourth wall with the weird video stuff in between is kind of weird. Uh, but overall. Playing through that right now, and we'll definitely do something deep with it. Uh, played a little bit of Danganronpa on the Vita. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I picked up the Japanese copies of these, of Danganronpa 1, 2, 3, and Ultra Despair Girls. And I, these are games I played a long, long time ago, but didn't really get into them. They're a, they're a little too Japanese for me, a little too visual novel for me. But there's been something about it that's kind of resonated with me over the years that I wanted to go back to them and I want to at least complete one of these games. So I um I found this this seller on eBay that can get me pretty much any game I want, the Japanese version of it, for dirt cheap. And he'll just put it in an envelope and mail me the cart. It doesn't come complete. But like some of these games that are $30, $40, and $50 a piece over here in the States, I can get for six dollars shipped um, from this guy. And so he's been, I've just been buying a ton of Japanese versions of games that I don't necessarily want to fork out the money to get over here. And uh, there's no region lock on the Vita, so you, you can play them. And a lot of the games have English um, offerings and English subtitles, things like that in there. So Danganronpa, I started playing. Some of it's in English, some of it's not. It's really kind of difficult to navigate because so much of it is not in English. So I played a little bit of that, um, just kind of playing through the beginning. And to see if it was something that I could do. Um, but I also picked up the Danganronpa trilogy at Second Charles, one of our little secondhand stores here, um, the, uh, yesterday, day before yesterday. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll just play it there. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll play it on PlayStation. So um, last game that I want to talk about that I've been playing through, uh, I beat Splatterhouse. Uh, this a uh, you know, third person horror game that I've been kind of the original away at. arcade one. No, the PlayStation three one. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's uh it's getting to be a pretty rare game. That's a no, that's getting to be like a 70, $80 game uh, on the resale side. And it's a game that I picked up for a dollar at the flea market, had no idea it was even worth a crap, but the cover looked cool. And I've been sitting on it for probably two years. And uh, I was at a, uh, I was at a, a store in Lexington uh, you, Thomas, you might be familiar. Old school player. Yeah, I go there a lot. I like that place. Yeah, yeah, those are great guys. And um, and so they had it there for like sixty or seventy dollars. I was like, wow, I can't believe this game's so expensive. I was like, I think I have it. 
I, I go home. I sure enough, I've got the PlayStation 3 copy. So I'm like, huh, let me put it in and play it. If it's good, I'll beat it. Then I'll sell it. I'll flip it because I mean, that would be a, a, a lot of profit for a game that I picked up for a dollar. I, I put it in and played through it. I was like, man, I love this game. <laughs> so I'm not selling it. And it comes with, I think, the first two or three, um, the eight bit games, the original ones. They're in the game itself. You unlock them and you can play them. Does it come so, with a TurboGrafx 16 one as well? Ugh, I don't know. I think it's Splatterhouse 1, 2, and possibly 3, but I I just kind of glanced through it. I didn't actually play them. So, but I love when games do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The original Pitfall yep. was in the Pitfall Mine Adventures for the Genesis. Heck and yeah. once I found that in the game, I just stopped playing the uh, main <laughs> game. It, it's so funny because um, in Gotham Knights, there is uh, Spy Hunter. Yep. There's, there's like an arcade cabinet you can play. So thought that was pretty cool. But overall, that's that's been kind of me in a nutshell. Like uh, I played a little bit of Monopoly Madness with my wife and kids the other day. Uh, my wife got really mad and quit after the first round because I spanked her so bad in that game. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played Monopoly Madness before, but it's essentially like a top-down um, you're playing Monopoly essentially, but you actually have to go, you run around this board and you have to b- go bid and put money on properties and people can steal your properties. And then you have to, the water district and the electrical district, you have to actually go over there, gain water and electricity, bring them to your houses to upgrade your houses. And then you can go to jail, you can pass go and get some money. Uh, but it's more so like a third person top down party game. And it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting little take on Monopoly. But I played about three rounds of it the other night with my youngest and my wife. Of course, she quit after the first round because I beat her so bad. And uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I don't think the Platinum would be too hard to get. Um, so, But I know my youngest loves games like that. He loves these little party games. So we'll be chipping away at Monopoly Madness together. And uh, I, think, let's see, I think I'll stop right there. That was a decent little stack of games that I got to play this week. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to patch in the leaderboards and I'm going to patch in the backlog beatdown and all that stuff um, and in post. So I'll come back and do that later. We can jump right into community questions. All right. We got some really good questions in here. Um, Starting off, uh, and this is one that you started commenting to, um, Thomas, uh, but our good friend and uh, old co-host of the uh, Game Stuff podcast, uh, Roberto writes in and he says, do you think siphon filter can return in this current gaming climate? So Thomas, I know you have thoughts. So I want to get Matt's opinion first and then we'll turn it over to you. Uh, I think it's kind of like that dino crisis situation where a lot of people want it, but I don't think they know what that entails. Part of the big thing about Siphon Filter back in the day was the controls and how it did things differently than other similar games. Outside of that, and not having completed all the stories from back then, I guess it may potentially have a place in today's world. But I think just like the games back then, I think it would need to do something different than what other games are doing now to really have a place. I dig it. I dig it. And then before Thomas, before you go, I'll say, I think yes, but I think it would be different. I don't think we would get a siphon filter in the way that this game was portrayed necessarily, especially with some of the, um, 
with what the actual siphon filter is and does after coming off of a pandemic. I don't know that anybody would necessarily green light a game like that right now. Uh, but I do think we might get a siphon filter remake proper. Um, I just read a few days ago that siphon filter three has been raided in um, Korea. So it looks like we're going to get a, a the, the port of siphon filter three, most likely for PlayStation plus premium again. So we got siphon filter one with trophies for um, plus premium. We got siphon filter two with trophies for plus premium. So I think we're going to get the third one. And I really think it's, it just depends on how many people play these games and what the reception is. So what do you think, Thomas? I would say a hard no. And the reason why it hits too close to home with story, uh, when, you know, the funny thing is, it's like, think about this. Everything from the 90s and 80s that, that we loved about that culture or those movies, uh, it feels like all these stories that some scientists or some egghead or nerd watched and said, hey, let's make that happen for real. Uh, so there's a good chance it'd be a possible note that think about this. Um, there were so many games like Metal Gear where they were talking about 9-11 before 9-11, and then basically, you know, it happens. They have to take out the two towers. The two towers was originally in the Metal Gear uh, Sons yep. of Liberty uh, demo. It was yep. taken out. Um, so there's so many different things that the reason why it could not happen. Now, no, you could call it siphon filter in name only and not use, um, you know, store. I'm a spoiler alert. The story has to do with a certain chemical based kind of disease that targets certain people. And, um, you know, you can make it target X, Y, Z, so forth and so on, which is really cool. But, you know, designer drugs and, you know, um, <laughs> the things that have took in place and the things that we've found out over the past, I guess, five or six years that the, the conspiracy theory is just something that hasn't, um, you know, um, been confirmed yet and now has been confirmed. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to go there, but, um, you know, you know, and, and it's just like the best way to say it is, I think that siphon filter is an awesome game that had a lot of stuff in it. Um, I love the music. Um, I will get into that later on, but I just don't think that same story could be told in today's society. Um, if anybody here has Amazon prime, there was a TV show that Amazon Prime did. I think it was called Evolution, or I, I can't can't remember the exact name of it, but it, it had um John Cusack in it, where he plays a billionaire, and he unleashes this virus upon the world because he wants to um you know basically give people basically everything that has took place in real life. That that movie was so close to real life that Amazon was told to stop producing it, and it actually is not being showed in Great Britain anymore. But um, John Cusack played the billionaire in the movie, and uh, I, I, does anybody here seen that or no? So he's Bill Gates. <laughs> well, yes, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you should really look it up, man. And you don't even really have to watch it; just watch a couple of uh, clips where he said he made this to basically bend the herd and to do X, Y, Z, and then to give them this uh, cure that's not really a cure, and then control their lives. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to do conspiracy theory because that's left for people who do professional podcasts about conspiracy theory. I just rather talk about games. Um, 
But this is this goes down a lot of a real some, rabbit yeah, hole, holes, holes, and um, it's crazy because this game it, to 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 talk about siphon filter as a whole, this is this game goes into so many different ways. It's as if the the crew, I think it was like an eight man crew at the time, basically watched a ton of eighties movies, James Bond movies, action movies from the seventies, eighties, so forth and so on, and basically said. Hey, let's put all these things together and put our own little spin on it. And lo and behold, man, you got a, a pretty decent story. Now, the dialogue, because you talked about cringe dialogue and bad dialogue, you know, <laughs> none of those people who were voice actors are working today, and the only credits they have is that game. <laughs> it's um, so bad. That's, and, one of the, that's one of the things when we get there, I I, I want to, I got some thoughts. But um, it's. It's something. But to 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 tell your um subscriber and to talk to that gentleman, there are so many things we could talk about with Siphon Filter as a whole. Now, I would love for this series to be brought back. I think it's a Sony franchise that deserves it. I think the PS3 game, no, no, no the PS2 game. Because the last time they had um a, a real console game was the PS2, and then of course the two PSP games, which is Dark Mirror and something else for the PSP. I, if I am correct, um, like Logan Shadow. Yeah, Logan Shadow. Thank you so much, Matt. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where I would love for it to be brought back because there's so much you can do. Because obviously, Sam Fisher's not going to be brought back correctly, and then um, Tenchu's not going to be brought back, and Metal Gear's on hiatus forever. And action stealth games, man, are just few and far between. So I would love for him to get rebooted. But nowadays, man, it's about studios trying to hit these out-of-park home runs and they're not willing to basically say, hey, let's break even. Hey, let's you know make a little bit of money. We ain't got to make a ton of money. And this really hurts the game industry. And the fact is that you know people have to fundraise or, or go to Kickstarter, and then Kickstarter says, oh, well, if you don't do X, Y, Z, we're not going to give you your money. Or if you don't bend the knee to this, we're not going to give you your money. So it's very hard to make an independent game like Siphon Filter in today's society without actually having some and even though siphon filter wasn't you know a independent game it was uh you know a small studio and i'll get into more detail on that but to answer the question in my personal opinion and i think most of y'all would agree with this if you know the story and you play the game all the way through there is no way in god's green earth that you could tell that same story even in a movie form at this current time because of the pandemic maybe like you know 10 years from now like you know, when we're all ragging on it, trying to make fun of it, and like, hey, we were all duped, uh, you dumb bastards. Yep. <laughs> Maybe then, you know, when we can all joke about it, and we're all like trying to lie and pretend and and and, and cuddle ourselves, and like, it's okay, you were lied to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah, I, I definitely can can see what what you're, what you're saying with that one because it's so funny whenever they actually unveil what the siphon filter is. And I guess what we'll do is, as we're answering these questions, we'll just kind of play into what the story is. I mean, it's it's very much a virus that you know that could be you know pick and choose traits, races, classes, styles of people to attack and to kill. And immediately, I was like, "Whoa, I don't know that would fly today." <laughs> like you could essentially make a racist virus. You know, or a you know um, an ageist virus or a sexist virus. Canadians. Or- yeah, <laughs> that's Australians. right. Australians. 
Hey, there you go. Go after them spiders. So hey, I very, like those Australians. There were all a bunch of prisoners who told the told the uh what was it the the British to go f themselves eventually. I love Australians. Some of the most beautiful women are from Australia. I will not hear you talk about beautiful women that way. <laughs> well, he already announced that his wife is the only ten in his life, so I think he's uh he's got a pass to to dunk on them. So. But yeah, yeah. So uh, getting get into the, uh, I guess, to the question at hand, I don't know, Roberto. I don't know that we could get some of like that without at least a reboot and some marination and some distancing on. And to be fair, I don't know if we want it right now. Like, I don't get me wrong. I'm a, I was a huge siphon filter. I was like, please bring it back, bring it back, bring it back until I played this game. And I think it needs the reboot treatment. I think it needs the full on remake. Like not reboot, rather the remake treatment. Like it needs to be fully voice acted because the voice acting, like we were talking about earlier, was it was trash. It was so bad. Like, and I'll go ahead and tell my story now, I guess, because I'm on I'm on a little tangent. But my my daughter walks in the door and I'm playing Simon Filter, and she and there's like one of the ladies that's like, "Yes, this is a thing that we will do," and it's so robotic and so poorly read out. And my daughter was like. Oh, that was awful. She was like, that's the worst voice acting I've ever heard. I was like, baby, this came out at a time when voice acting was just becoming a thing in video games. Like PlayStation one, we started getting voice acting, but we, it's not really like a big thing. You know, like metal gear was really when voice acting got really good. And, uh, and, and so this was trash. Like it was so bad. Like freaking Gabe Logan is the best acted voice in the game. And then second to that uh, would be one of the one of the dudes that's um he goes back and forth with that he he works with I can't remember the guy's name but but like the villains were silly the women were just really poorly done like you mean the French could, guy was silly the French guy was it, unbelievably silly yeah the fire guy or whatever the fire guy was really silly too he's very like. You know, nineteen um, eighties comic booky. Hey, I'm gonna set everything on fire because I'm a villain. But it was it was interesting. It was an interesting game to play through, and it was an interesting. Um, the voice acting was trash. <laughs> it was so bad. So, um, were you about to say something, Thomas? Um, I wanted to say that you know what I felt about the voice acting. It was like um. Everybody there had basically just came from watching or playing the original Resident Evil. They're like, Jill, <laughs> don't open that door. Barry. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> the pauses in the reading is really funny too, because and I can I can um I can kind of relate because I am not a voice actor, okay? But I am working on a couple projects right now that could potentially lend me some opportunity in that world. Okay. Like that's a very vague way of saying I'm trying to learn how to be a voice actor. Maybe I will be, maybe I won't be probably not, but, um, reading a script, it's different than just shooting from the hip, you know, like improv for me is a lot easier because I've spent so many years sitting from a microphone talking to technically no one because <laughs> I'm in a room by myself, but you know, like, for the podcast and I've done, it was really hard to do the first couple solo episodes I ever did this past year. I've done dozens and dozens of solo episodes. Like I, I can't even count how many solo episodes I've done. So 
it's gotten easier, but it's like one of those weird things where when you first start reading from a script, it's not natural. There's awkward breaks and pauses and sometimes even going back and trying to edit the silences and stuff out are not. It's like that weird jump cut YouTube style kind of thing, you know, where the cadence isn't natural, doesn't flow. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do my first um, voice. I actually, I already submitted my tracks for a, a little bit of voice acting in a video game. And I'm going to be doing this uh, podcast series for the Legacy Comics crew. I'm going to give a shout out to Dan Evans and to our good friend, Josh Adams. Uh, Zach and I are going to be doing some readings, essentially, some some podcast readings and storytelling uh, for their Godfo universe. And so we're going to be working on that with those guys. And I've been kind of just practicing my, I guess, lines is the best way to put it, trying to make it sound more natural because sitting here and reading, to a microphone, it just it comes off siphon filterish. It comes off Resident Evil, you know, PS One. It's like it's not natural. It'd be different if I was just making things up and saying them to somebody. But it's very interesting having a little bit of perspective, and I mean like the most tiniest bit of perspective on that, and going, oh, huh. Well, that's why my track sounds bad because I'm bad at it. <laughs> These guys sound bad because they were bad at it. These were not like accredited voice actors doing this stuff. This is just random people like the, the secretary up front. Say, Hey, will you read this for me? So yeah. Matt, do you have any other thoughts on that? You guys brought up a lot of good points in that doing something like siphon filter today could be very touchy given the nature of what the virus can do. But on the other hand, I think you could make a really awesome villain based around that. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody loves to hate a racist. So therefore it's, it's easy. Low hanging. We already yeah. hate Bill Gates and cloud Schwab. So what's <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. What else um, is there to hate? My wife has been watching a lot of um she I picked on her so much about reality TV that she's trying new things. Not not saying she's reformed or anything, but she's been trying. And so she started watching some of these like you know television programs and stuff, like your your SVU and things like that. And they've all incorporated the pandemic into their programming now. And it's weird because it seems disingenuous, even though like it makes very much a lot of sense to like we all, the whole world just went through this pandemic together. Why wouldn't we put that in our TV shows, you know, but it comes off as like almost not too soon because it's traumatic, but too soon because I'm sick of it. If that makes any sense. Well, that's where it'll be interesting to see what Hideo Kojima does with that stranding <laughs> to saying, Oh, I rewrote it after the pandemic. Now, does that mean he incorporated things about the pandemic into it? Or did he turn around and go, okay, yeah, I don't want to do that. Everybody already did that. So we're not yeah. going to do that. So well, it'd be interesting to see what he does. I'm hoping that he, he doesn't do it because if he incorporates pandemic into it, that would be, I think beneath him personally, especially whenever like your general hospital, your Chicago PD, um, you know, all your regular TV shows are all doing pandemic stuff. Um, SVU and things of that nature. I think if everyone else is doing it, like that seems to be like for me, I would think that that's like 
faux pas for a Kojima type, you know? Like, well, I gotta get let's the, just I gotta be honest. Let's just be honest. Nurses were doing it first. And then, of course, the yeah. nurses with their softcore porn all over TikTok uh, during the pandemic. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> there were definitely a lot of uh, uh, nurse TikToks going around. Uh, it's, it's funny because you you turn on the news. I'd sit in the uh, in the chair at the dentist, and it's like, oh, here's they're a they're heroes <laughs> while they're dancing around and showing their their breasts. <laughs> they're, they're heroes. Yeah, I didn't see any uh, any any boobage, but I kept asking my wife. I was like, oh, y'all TikTok? And she makes it out like it was like, oh my gosh, we yeah, it's the craziest thing ever. We got so much going on. It's like. Uh, Oh, really? Because when I sat in the, t- at the in the chair at the dentist and watched the the morning show, it was uh, a lot of TikTok dances and and uh, taking laps around the hospital. So pretty seemed much. like it was pretty uh, chill. I mean, I'm, I know that's definitely not an accurate representation of what was really happening, but it definitely was uh, a, a, an awkward way to portray things. So. All right, so um, Roberto also writes in. He says that he grew up with a Pizza Hut down the road in the '90s. Pizza Hut was the most genuine chain pizza you could get. It tasted like heaven. Uh, there was a promotion in which pizzas came with a PlayStation demo disc. That demo disc had a few games like Destruction Derby, Armored Core, and Siphon Filter was one of them. Uh, it yep. was an absolute blast to play, and 10-year-old little Roberto uh, used to use the taser on terrorists and light them on fire. Definitely want to stop right there and say, that was one of the coolest features early in the game. When you pop someone with a taser and you just hold the button until they set on fire. For me, I, I have a hard time because I'm so many years removed from the PlayStation one. And it's hard for me to remember that like, that was such a, like a step forward. That's such a novel thing. You know, it's like in my mind, we didn't start doing cool stuff like that until PlayStation two. But like, if you think about it, PlayStation one, you know, having that feature in there, that was, that was pretty ahead of his time, I thought. I thought it was pretty cool. Listen, everybody knows my propensity for fire. So once I discovered that, it was game over. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, All I can so, say is if I could have any weapon from that game... Any weapon at all, and it could be real. I would want that taser. That taser can go up to 50 freaking feet up in the <laughs> air and hit somebody in the head, and it'll set them on fire if I hold it long enough. That is the best oh damn God, taser of all time. So there was a mission in the game where you had to save a hostage, and you had to go in this like museum room where you got to climb up this dinosaur, and you have to, there's like a chick holding somebody hostage she's gonna kill the guy after she a- asked her very dryly rehearsed lines and um you ha- the, the way you get through that mission that checkpoint es- essentially is to tase her not to shoot at her because what would happen is i would shoot her and i would fail the objective and i'd shoot her and i'd fail the objective and i just i spent probably 30 40 minutes just running back in there running back in there and trying to just shoot this chick before she shot you know, the, the hostage, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Finally, I turned on a YouTube video and the guy like brought out his taser and popped her instantly. And, and you win the objective. I'm like, Oh, that's way smarter than what I was doing. And sure enough. So that's what you got to do. The taser was awesome. At least for that moment. So, 
Roberto also says that given that his dad was in the Army Reserves at the time and that he knew his task was to train soldiers to fight terrorists, that he thought he was doing his part by keeping America safe. Revisiting the game nearly 30 years later was wholesome. Even with the dated visuals and gameplay, it was still a ton of fun to run around wildly with an assault rifle and take down terrorists. And so uh, I want to kind of use that as a jumping off point for us to talk about just the controls of the game. Um, the game control a butt. And I know that like older games control like butt, but like I, someone who plays games like Resident Evil with tank controls, I think that I'm a little more versatile than maybe your average modern gamer. I struggled from start to finish and I platinum this game. I went through the entire game, got all the trophies, platinum this game. I struggled with the controls for this game. So, I mean, I know Matt, you didn't make it super far into it on this playthrough. How did you feel about the way the game controlled? So, I forgot if I mentioned it earlier, but I played this game emulated on my Steam Deck. Oh, and I played it in two ways. I played it natively on the Steam Deck, so with the Steam Deck controls, and I also played it with a Steam controller. <coughs> and I, I do not recommend it with the Steam controller, because in this game, since it released well before analog controls ever came out, you have to use the D-pad. And the D-pad controller on the Steam Deck sucks. Uh, I'm sorry, on the Steam controller sucks. The D-pad on the Steam Deck actually wasn't bad. And once you got into a groove, it was fine. And the best thing that they did for this game was give you an auto lock on. Yes. So when you hold down right bumper, it locks on to your nearest enemy and helps you auto aim at that enemy. Yes. Lifesaver. It huge lifesaver. And I've been trying to think of the best way to put this in the words all day because think about our experience playing Resident Evil and Silent Hill and Dino Crisis. Tank controls, spinning, slow prodding movements, and very purposefully done controls. When this game came out back in the day, the ability to strafe and shoot at the same time was groundbreaking. Yep. Using your, because again, you didn't have a right analog stick to be able to strafe. You used your uh, left trigger or right trigger. And unfortunately, what that does, I'm the type of gamer that I use my index finger to hit both the bumpers and the triggers. I don't use my index finger and ring fingers or middle fingers to do that. I don't know about you guys. Do either of you do that? Uh, uh, no, no, I don't do any of the weird claw stuff. Okay, um, so yeah, we're we're all on the same page where we use our index finger to hit both. Yes, and I this game doesn't work well when you no. do that. <laughs> no. You you have to do the claw grip for it to work well, and that just doesn't flow with my brain now it didn't flow with my brain back then so that's the biggest issue because the maneuvering is really what made this game but because it came at a time when analog sticks were not the standard they did some fugazi things to to make that work um did you ever play a game on the on the psp called coded arms yes do you remember that they used the face buttons to yep. allow you to look up and down, left and right. Yep. That's how I felt about this game, about Siphon Filter. It's like, 
you had to make it work. And at the time, it was great because that's all you had. But now that we have all these new, easy, fluid controls, it just plays like poopy now. And and I think we all are kind of on the same page with that one. I, I, I agree. Playing through the game, man, it was so brain-breaking because I played with the PS4 controller, and I actually played... I'm playing. I played the game on PS4. I played the the port from Premium with my PS4 back attachment, so it has the extra um, little triggers on the back of it. And I had it programmed because I was getting so frustrated, <laughs> like with the game. I programmed my roll to one of the little back attachment triggers, and I had. Um, Oh gosh, what did I have the other one? I don't even remember what I had the other one uh, programmed to, but I was using, I was playing through the game and I would try to use the thumbstick. But like you said, it's not built for analog. So you, you can, you do everything with one stick. You can't look left, right, up and down. So you would have to essentially run into an area and then I was just tapping R1 to lock on to the closest enemy. Problem is, you could overshoot wherever you wanted to run, and then he does that weird. I, I liken it to like the old GI Joe figures. You guys know whenever you had like the little GI Joe figures, and their the body was like the torso and the upper body were separate, but they were held together yep. with two little hooks and a rubber band. Yep. He runs in this game like he's one of those figures. Like his torso is set to, to, to one direction, but it's almost like his bottom half, his legs and stuff, can turn left, right, all the way around. Like they were like they were connected with a rubber band, so the it was brain breaking, and you know, like you were saying, you could strafe with l two and r two on the PlayStation controller, but if you're trying to lock in your aim with r one, you would then have to use the other finger, and I don't typically play that way, although I can because I have those recess triggers. It's weird because I don't ever use my index fingers for l one r one. And then my middle finger for L2, R2, I'll always use the index finger to do both. But if I have those triggers rested back on the back, like a scuff controller, uh, where my fingers naturally sit, then I'll use it. I just can't lift them up to play. It's just weird. I don't, I don't know. But that being said, the game control like crap, man. And uh, JT, the commissioner, he writes in, he goes, how outdated would this poop, was this poop sock of a game? And I'll say the thing that makes it outdated were the two things we just talked about, the voice acting and the controls. The game itself was fine. The story was good. Um, the objectives and stuff were good. There, uh, graphically, there's some things to be desired, but we'll get into that in just a second. But overall, playing the game was hard because it was hard to control. It was really hard to get your bearings. Another thing, too, is that like... Instead of being able to aim down sights with L trigger, L2, you could essentially do that with L1, but it would stop you. Like you couldn't run and like aim down sights or move and aim down sights. You had to stop and aim down sights. And I can't remember if you can actually walk forward or backwards off the top of my head that way. No. Because then your your D pad turns into your 
aiming. Yes, that's right. You're uh, you're 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 up and down, uh, zooming in and out of your like your sniper and stuff. So it was just it was frustrating. So I didn't want to use that. I didn't use my L1 unless I was doing something specific. Like if I had to use it, I would. But even then, L1 felt unnatural because I'm using my index finger to aim down sights, but I'm also using my thumb on the same hand to move my reticle around. It just seemed to me like it would make more sense with R1. Like they, the controls just broke my brain. Like I struggled the entire time. And like I watched a platinum run through of this game that's like less than three hours long. I have every bit of eight to 12 hours in this game easy. Just the first couple missions just kill. I just kept dying. I kept dying. I kept dying. I kept having to start over. Um, I couldn't figure out how to get like get anywhere. And I played this game several times in very different fashions. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to you next, Matt, for this one. But I started this game off. Hang on one second. I started this game off in my bed, in my bedroom. You know, I was like, I'll play Siphon Filter while the wife's sleeping. And this is a game that I can just lay back in the bed, play through an old retro game, and just enjoy it. I couldn't see anything in the dark areas to find the switches. So I couldn't progress in the first level. Because I couldn't see it on my TV, even though it's a 50-inch TV laying in the bed. I just I couldn't see it. And I couldn't really get my bearings like just laying there trying to relax and play. So that didn't work. So I was like, nope, this isn't going to happen. So then I put it on my 55-inch in my 55-inch 4K in my office. And I still could not see like the switches and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I had to pull up a YouTube video of like a walkthrough just to know where to go. And what I saw in the video was this guy clicking on walls that had zero texture for me, which they didn't really have any texture for him in the video either. But I guess if you played them on like an old CRTV or CRT TV, is that right? You would be able to, yeah, I think you'd be able to see what is actually there better. As a matter of fact, in the second level or second or third level, the subway, there's some C4 that you have to pick up that you cannot see in on my TV, no matter how you change the settings, no matter how you stretch the image, no matter how you change the contrast, nothing. So I really struggled, and to kind of go back to, to JT's question, like I struggled with because the game didn't age well and modern hardware doesn't necessarily give you the best version to look at. I struggled playing the game. Because I literally couldn't see things. So what I did, and I said this on a previous episode, was I had on one screen a YouTube video, a walkthrough. And on my screen, I was playing the game. And essentially what I would do is this. I would play until I got stuck. And then I'd watch the video. It would show me whatever weird item I couldn't find. And then I would play. And it really wasn't until about the fourth or fifth level of the game. I think there's 16, 18, 20 chapters or something like that. Some of them seem like it's almost the same level, but it's just like one section to another. But it really wasn't until I got about a quarter of the way through the game that I started to pick up my flow and really get going. Those first two levels, and, and Matt, I'm going to turn it over to you now because I know you said you, know, you struggled with this part. Those first couple levels were so hard and so hard to navigate that I actually didn't enjoy my time with it, and I almost gave up on the game. So, so tell us about your experience kind of getting back into this game. 
before I do that, I'm sorry, Thomas, did you get a chance to chime in on the controls? I, I might have brain farted for a little bit there. Oh, he might have us muted. Uh, I didn't need to chime in on the controls. Y'all did such an amazing job. There was no need to add to that. Um, other than the fact is that um, everything, I mean, literally, I there's no reason for me to say anything about the controls other than uh, I agree with you 100%. The only thing is, is that you have to understand is both of you gentlemen are very spoiled. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I grew up playing this game and I didn't have any other choice. I didn't have the options of today's controls. Back then, those controls were considered super good compared to the tank controls. And remember, even though this came out one year after um, Tenshu and uh, Metal Gear, it's still, you know, controls back then were such garbage. It was like a, and your guys moved so slow, it felt like a, it felt good because your guy moved fast. It was kind of a fast pace. And then the music always kept things interesting. So I can't complain. I mean, what you're saying about controls from today's standpoint makes a lot of sense. But you have to understand, if you didn't have all the controls you have now, then it's totally different. Because, again, I, I'm going based off of, dude, I was trapped with, I, I was raised in the dark and bad controls, okay? <laughs> we we merely adopted them that's right yeah <laughs> um thanks thomas i just want to make sure you had a chance to talk about that to to your point daryl yeah like i said back in the day i played through and i i made some progress in the game i remember getting all the way through the first stealth level and now playing it it's just like things are not clicking i bring up to your point where you had to hit a switch and you couldn't see the texture. Yep. I, uh, I literally didn't know how to choose the flashlight until today when I stumbled upon it. <laughs> and it's like back in the day, I'm sure that was something I would have picked up, but for some reason today, it just wasn't clicking. And there was a point in the first level where you have to hit a switch to bypass the subway security. Yep. And you're literally just clicking. I, I found it by accident. I clicked on a wall and suddenly I hit a switch. I go, oh, all right. Until I remembered how to use the flashlight. You know what I did in dark areas? I broke out the taser yeah. and I would, I would <laughs> randomly too. fire it. <laughs> so and funny. it was like the combat was easy. The game also introduced like the flak jacket, which helped give you some like survivability. Uh, enemies just kept spawning, which after a while just got frustrated because if you're trying to get through an area, like, oh, God, stop it. Yes, I know you're coming. All right, I'll shoot you dead. I'll take your ammo. Um, the the first mission where you finally get to the part of Fine Roamer, it's yep. like, all right, where do I go? Do I just have to wander around blindly until I trigger the next cutscene? And it was finding the flashlight that goes, oh, this is the area I have to find. This is a switch I need to hit to go down into the, the subway. And it was, it's just like, all right, as a young kid, I had plenty of time for that. Yep. As a grown-ass adult with real responsibilities, I don't got time for that. I got I to get <laughs> on right. with the game, which is why I don't blame you for going through and using a guide or, or watching a YouTube video. And you're absolutely right. 
Back in the day, CRT technology is different than the LCDs, LEDs, and OLEDs that we have now. So therefore, black, dark parts of the, of the game are truly, you cannot see what's in there because that's the technology. Yep. But back in the day, CRTs, you had a little bit of leeway on that. Yep, yep, yep. Especially when you're playing with like HDR and stuff, which even if the game's not utilizing HDR, it's like your blacks are blacker. <laughs> it's just like certain TVs, man, it just didn't look good. And what I did was I went in and, re- and like stretched the screen immediately because the PS4 version gives you some options. So I was like, I want as much screen as possible. And then I was like, oof, this is not good. I actually had to put it back to the default settings just to make it through. But to be fair, I didn't mess with the flashlight until way later into the game. And the beginning of the game is when I needed it. Yep. So uh, I will say this, though, um, using the version that I played, the PS4 version, I was a little spoiled, too, to to second what Thomas was saying, because I was able to use the rewind function. So every time I died, I would literally just rewind and play again, rewind, start again, rewind, start again. So every time I got to a level or a section that I struggled at, I would just rewind it, just rewind it, just rewind it. And I was able to make it through the game. And, you know, I probably died, I would say, a hundred times, maybe. Like you were talking about that helicopter boss fight, uh, maybe before the show. And I would just rewind if I died, which I didn't die too many times because I also the cheats weren't don't disable trophies. So I would just put in the uh, infinite ammo code and all weapons and you run around. So it was pretty, uh, pretty good for me, man. It was it was. As far as actually playing the game, that made the game much more enjoyable. Um, the enemies are but a bit bullet spongy in certain levels, especially when they have flight jackets on them. And the stealth left a little bit to be desired. But uh, outside of that, man, I just I quite enjoyed the actual playing of the game, minus fumbling with the controllers and not being able to see in the dark. <laughs> so. Uh, the next thing I kind of want to talk about, I, w- I want to talk about the actual story last, okay? Um, Thomas had briefly mentioned the music. I thought the game had a pretty solid soundtrack. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Thomas, you had chimed in earlier, said that you you quite enjoyed it. So I want you to take it away, man. What did you think about the actual music in, in the game and, and, and all that good stuff? Well, I thought the music and the atmosphere was so well put together for its time because um you know during that time this is when techno was starting to take off over in Europe and in other places and it i mean techno wasn't super big yet but it was starting to get big. i mean in America and Europe it was like already like super big and um the only thing i could tell you that really sticks out was that one um trailer i put up the other day on the uh, yep. thing and, and it's just the for each stage it kept you intrigued. It kept you kind of upbeat. You never felt, in other words, the music never felt boring in the game. The music felt very well paced. You felt like you were actually accomplishing something when you were going from place to place. And, you know, um, I try to tell people all the time, I feel like um, these guys were like listening to either like new age punk or um, like new wave music back in the day. And they just decided to put this in there. Um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Prodigy, God rest the guy's oh, yeah. soul, who oh, was yeah. the lead singer of Prodigy. If you ever watched Beavis and Butthead, I'm just going to throw uh, a reference in here. They're watching a video 
And the song's called Fire, Ebony. Firestarter. Yeah. The, no, no, no. They weren't watching that one. They were watching the video called Ebenezer Scrooge. And the guy uh. from it is from uh, Prodigy, uh, you know, the guy who died. And there was, I guess it was his band beforehand. And the song is unbelievably stupid, but it's so damn catchy. I still think of that song today, and I hadn't heard it in probably maybe 20 years. Uh, if not longer, but I still think about that. But it also also goes back to time when I was watching Beavis and Butthead and then watching the commercial for Siphon Filter. And that's why I kind of connect both those things together because it would come on. Siphon Filter was basically being portrayed to young men like me who loved Beavis and Butthead at the time. And it's like saying, man, this is cool. I get to kill people and hear violins and techno music. Sign me up. Um. (laughs) Yeah, but man. seriously, it, it, since you played it all the way through, I don't know if you actually listened to the music. Cause I haven't played it all the way through uh, in a long, long time. Um, but the pacing of the music just feels good, and it feels upbeat. Nothing feels like, you know, it doesn't feel like it's overwhelming. It doesn't feel like it's boring. Because sometimes, look, if I'm playing a, a game like in Final Fantasy or just certain Japanese RPGs, man, that music will put me to sleep. Because yep. some of that music's just inappropriate for that time. I understand there's a sad part or something, you know, you're like, oh, I have some music that's sad. You know, not all music just needs to be like super, um, you know, s- super laid back. I mean, I'm I'm not a pothead. So, you know, I, I can't have my music be like super laid back all the time. You know, I, I, I like fish, um, you know, and other hippie music, you know, from time to time. Not all the time, but, um, you know, th- the thing is about the music for this particular game and the soundtrack, and, and note, if you actually have the original PlayStation 1 game, for all, most people who have PlayStation 1 games, if you don't know this, you can actually take that game, put it in your CD player, if you still have one, um, and listen to the soundtrack for free. Or oh, record awesome. the soundtrack onto, oh, I, I thought I told you about this before. Um, you or, might have, but I just I don't I didn't remember. Or that, so or awesome. or you can record the the soundtrack onto your computer and then you know rip it and then have it on an MP3 player or whatever. I I have a few soundtracks like that, like Skater Eight soundtrack. If you never heard the Skater Eight soundtrack, it's an EA skating game. It's super awesome. One and two, of course, the Tony Hawk soundtrack, which is super awesome. And believe it or not, the Tomb Raider soundtrack is super awesome. And I actually just have those over in my actual. I do have a real CD collection. I can actually send you a picture and send it send it to you of those games, and I have them just for the soundtracks because the That's soundtracks awesome. are so amazing. That's awesome. I actually own um, Siphon Filter 1 and 2 on the PS1, and I thought about trying out the original versions of them and seeing how they stacked up, but I ended up not pulling the trigger on that one yet. I, I kind of just you know stuck with playing the game itself. I thought the soundtrack was pretty good. Um, I did think that it was very much in line with the Metal Gear to James Bond kind of run of of video games for that time. I thought it fit in quite nicely. And honestly, in my memory, I liked Siphon Filter better than I liked the Metal Gear games. And then going back through and play it again, playing it again, having recently played through Metal Gear Solid 3, and then playing through this, I I like Metal Gear more now. I don't know that I like Metal Gear Solid one more, so I don't know. I, I feel like I need to kind of stack them up against each other again. But overall, I thought the soundtrack was pretty good. And uh, well, but to you be, have to play to be fair, more of the game 
in siphon filter than you did in Metal Gear. Yeah, but see, I like those long uh, cut scenes and story beats and stuff. So like that stuff appeals to me. Um, so I do like that. And that was one of the things I thought was pretty good about this game. But like the, as I say what I like about it, the, the cutscenes and, and the stories, the story scenes, like rather were super short. It was quite the opposite of a Metal Gear game, but they were there. And I thought it was pretty cool. Like the story is very much, I could see like Jason Bourne. Kind of vibes. I know Jason Bourne, obviously, like in the Bourne conspiracy, supremacy, all that stuff came way after Siphon Filter, but there was very much that, like that Jason Bourne vibe kind of going on, you know, in this, in, in the scenes and stuff with this particular game. So when I remember actually one of the things I wrote in my little notes when I was, you know, just kind of like I, when I play through games, especially for review, I'll just have my notepad brought up and I'll just type in like little bullet points. It's like, ah, you know, and there's one particular scene where um, they're walking through like a, a office building, like the CIA or something. And it just, in my thoughts were, oh, there's some Jason Bourne vibes going on right here. So, uh, but overall, I quite enjoyed, you know, what little bit of a soundtrack you actually get throughout the game. Some of that stuff, um, it was, you know, did kind of run on loop. And I played that one section that's kind of stealth for a while. Um, I don't know if you remember. It's in the uh, the catacombs and kind of tomb area where you're you have to sneak around. You don't want to get caught, but you can still technically snipe and assassinate people. And then you uh, get and exposed, you to, and then you got to kill everybody. Yeah, yeah, you do like a whole lot of work to just turn around and kill everybody, anyways. But there's one particular scene where you have to follow a scientist for a little while, and like I remember getting stuck on like a loop. And I made a quick save because, again, the PS4 features were allowing you to quick save. So I remember picking the game up in the middle of this mission. I'm like, oh, crap. I'm too far in to just start this section over. So if I turn certain corridors, there's people there. So I had to get really, really slick about how I poked my head around the corner and sniped people, which was not easy to do because I already said earlier, I was kind of fumbling with the controllers. But I remember that being the most difficult and frustrating part of the game outside of the very beginning when I just literally couldn't see the switches that I needed. So I remember that part. There's like a a certain techno-ish track that plays in that particular area that I was getting quite tired of because I played (laughs) that section so much. But that wasn't the game's fault. That was user error and just like really poor timing on my end. But uh uh, outside of that, uh, we do have another question. Um, I'm styling on your bro wrote in and he says, did anyone who got the plat have fun doing it with this ancient gameplay style? And I got to say, uh, being that I'm the only one of the three of us that you know, got all the achievements or trophies in the game. Uh, I, I did enjoy my time with it. I mean, I don't think it was like, atrocious or horrible i think that the problems that i had personally were just due to the fact that it is ancient a lot of years went by and the technology and hardware has changed so much to where if you put it on a scale it evened out to me right for my experience and this is kind of how i look at a lot of video games gotham knights be an example if you have a scale and like there's some things that suck in your left hand making eh, that kind of outweighs these other things over here but when I think about the overall themes and the story of the siphon filter and like the actual, like w- the story's being told, what, what's going on there? And I really like it. So 
it makes up for some of the flaws that are in the game. Um, the technology changing, making it hard to see switches and things you need just to move forward in the game made it frustrating, but you know, being able to rewind on the fly and create quick saves and do that kind of stuff made the experience better. So it kind of evens itself out, you know, it's like, sure. The controls are kind of booty, but the cheats in the game kind of offset the actual moment to moment gameplay. So I can unlock the little rocket or grenade launcher gun and just run around and blow everybody up. You know, I, I have infinite ammo for it. So when I'm fighting the helicopter, or I'm fighting the, the guy with the flamethrower, I'm fighting, you know, the different bosses in the game. I don't run out of ammo and I, I have access to everything I need in the game. So overall getting the, getting the platinum was, was a very, um, it was a, it was a pretty enjoyable experience. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was somewhere in the middle. I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but I, I, it wasn't a bad experience. I have pulled my hair out for certain platinums before. This was not one of those experiences. Little annoyances, but for the most part, you know, not bad. I would even consider going through the second one and doing the same thing. Uh, I thought about going through the every game they put out with trophies, going through it and trying to get the platinum to do the whole franchise. We'll see what happens. But overall, not bad. So uh, we're kind of getting close to the end of our time together, guys. I know Matt's got to go to work uh, in the morning. Uh, you know, obviously, Thomas and I, we have work as well, too. So I do want to be respectful of your time. So I want to end this conversation about Siphon Filter with just the overall story. We've kind of danced on it. You know, we've kind of like we've talked about a lot of the things that didn't didn't work. Uh, but starting with you, Matt, what do you remember from the story? Do you remember it being good? I remember back in the day, it was the cool super spy action thriller, in biological warfare game that I remember it being. And this comes from me having read. I forgot when I did it, but I read Rainbow Six back in the day. Heck yeah. Very similar theme, uh, told from a slightly different organizational viewpoint. But the story to me as a kid was awesome. The, you know, back in the day, the, the voice acting, the voice actor for Gabe Logan was really good. And I thought it was cool. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, like many games, I just fell off of it. It wasn't anything story-related or, or, or whatnot. It's just my attention got drawn to other games. So I was very happy with what they were doing in the game. The overall missions that I did go on, that I did beat back in the day, were entertaining. And the implications back then were just ahead of its time as far as you know, viral biological warfare and what it could potentially mean and how it led into the sequels. And ultimately, I think that's why people really want to see a new one. They want to see what they could do, maybe predict the future again. <laughs> yeah, I like the idea. And Thomas, we'll go to you and get your thoughts on the overall story here in just a second. Um, I like the overall idea that this ties into the Days Gone universe. You know, like I think that that is pretty cool to if you think about things on a timeline you start off with the with the uh siphon filter virus 
And to be fair, I never finished any of the other Siphon Filter games. I own all of them and have never finished another Siphon Filter game. So I don't know where the story goes, but I do know that you know there's like implications in Days Gone that that's what calls the vi- the uh, zombie the freaker virus. So I think it'll be interesting to see go through all of those things and see how that timeline works itself out. Now, whether or not that's actually legit how things play, or if it's just kind of like a little cheeky nod in universe, I don't know. But it would be awesome to find out So and actually play through these things and see kind of where we end up and how we got there. So, Thomas, what were your thoughts on the story overall? I thought the story was unbelievably amazing, but you left out one thing with the flight jacket. If you kill an enemy by shooting him in the head, you can steal his flight jacket yep. and have the flight jacket for yourself. So I yep. wanted to point yeah, out that can. for a PlayStation 1 game, they did a lot of things that a lot of today's games don't do where you can steal people's, uh, you know, their flight jackets and do other things that it just kind of we left out because I know we're trying to move through time, but very important to understand that this does a lot of things right for a very small studio that no one believed in. But the story-wise, um, look, I have no complaints. I thought it was well told. Uh, the only thing, and and I hate that you said that, that's the only siphon filter you've beaten, because now I feel bad, because I all, I think I've beaten two, or I was close to beating, I think it was on the second disc or two, something happened, some girl broke up with me, or something like that, I didn't get to beat two, three, I totally forgot about, and then of course the one for the PlayStation 2, I couldn't afford it at the time, or else there's just better games out at the time, and plus that also had multiplayer, and I missed out on it, um, but still, it's just one of those things where it's like, damn it, I feel exactly the same. Like, that's the only one that I've beaten is the original Siphon Filter. Heck yeah. Well, then you know what? We need to make a point to go through the rest of the games. Even if we don't do it necessarily for a game club, but we do it for just, you know, just for our own enjoyment. And we sit down and do deep dives on them. Let's, let's go back through those games. I've got Siphon Filter 2 downloaded right now. So I can make it a point to play through that game. And then I, Siphon Filter 3 is supposed to be coming. And then I own um, Logan's Shadow and what's the, is it Omega Strain? Or no, Twin twin Mirror? Dark Mirror? Dark Mirror. Omega Strain is the PlayStation 2 game, correct? I believe so. I'm looking now. Dark Mirror is the PSP game. PSP, yeah. And Logan's Shadow is the other one. So, yep, there's, so I, I mean, I have all the games, so I definitely have no excuse. And but there's too I many do, good games for 2023 for me to basically waste my time on older stuff. 2023 has weighed so many good games for 2023. It's not even funny. There you go. So here's what we do. We just put make a blood oath right now, packed between the three of us. We don't play any new games until we finish the entire Siphon Filter series. Good luck sorry, with that, what, man. What did you say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You, you're, you're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> I gave I gave myself the vid after I said that. I started choking. <laughs> I gave myself the siphon filter. So, um, yeah, I, I second that. You know, the story was really good. Ha- being very fresh on it right now, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought that the, uh, you know, the spy espionage you know the characters that they everyone played in the uh you know the little bit of the double crossing going on in there um you know everyone kind of playing their very tropey positions in this story was pretty good and i enjoy this kind of stuff like i enjoy that 
CIA covert military ops stuff, you know, with like, you know, greater implications of, oh, man, if this gets out, the world's going to come to an end. It's up to us. And like everybody's a damn traitor in your, you know, your freaking (laughs) thing. But the best thing about the game, man, well, not the best thing, but the one thing that you said, you you know, you like the voice actor for, for Gabe Logan is that we didn't mention that he has one of the best names ever, Gabe Logan. That's that he could be like an actor, a porn star. He could be like an a X-Man. guy, an X Man. I mean, he could be just a, anything. <laughs> What's your name, Gabe Logan? Gabe. Uh, he he could be a politician. Yeah, yeah. The next president of the United States, Gabe Logan. Gabe Logan. <laughs> he yeah, he could definitely. Uh, it it is pretty cool. It's two first names, you know. Two first names. So, of course, there was I, a really great person who had three first names. Who, God rest his soul and rest in peace. That that we uh, talked about a while back, and uh, you know, that's just awesome to have three cool first names, man. I only have one first name, and it sucks. I mean, I wish my <laughs> name was like like Rick the Dick Hunter or something like that. There you go. Dude, my name's Daryl, and like, it, there was when when I was growing up, there was that uh that one show where it's like, hey, it's my my, my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. I got a <laughs> terrible name with uh, like, and I came out in the I was born in the eighties, so I had this freaking show that every single person made that joke. It's like, hey, I'm Daryl. Oh yeah, where's your brother Daryl and your other brother Daryl? Uh, and the bad thing was, I had two really close friends growing up, both named Daryl. So we would get together and then people would just make that joke constantly and drove me insane, which I mean, looking back now, no one ever makes that joke anymore. So it's like, huh, kind of, I don't necessarily say I miss it, but it definitely, uh, definitely left something to be desired. And then, so like, I don't know, my name sucks too. So yeah, Gabe Logan, way cooler. So was there any girls who like, like when all threw y'all together, it's like, well, which one of y'all is the biggest and like y'all to whip it out and she'd measure. No, no, no. Uh, we were all fighting for who was the smallest. It was like, it was always oh, okay. like the ongoing, it's always been my entire life. has always been the ongoing joke that I, uh, we, it's always the smallest penis in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I make jokes to my own wife who is very aware of, of the penis. I'm like, oh, yep. Making make little wiener jokes to her all the time. For whatever reason, she just laughs and, and, and says, yes, I guess she's playing along too. I don't know. That's a- <laughs> 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 All right, guys. More than two hour mark. I definitely say for this uh, Loot Bros Game Club, I appreciate the company. You guys were great. I appreciate you guys coming on here and talking shot with me. And I thought that the perspective was really good. We've got uh, Thomas, who obviously you're pretty familiar with the game. Played it when it when it came out. Matt, you're familiar with the game at least from the uh, past time. You know, being younger, playing it, and then playing it somewhat recently, and playing it on the Steam Deck, of course, giving a different version myself, playing through it uh, very briefly when I was younger, and actually completing the game now. Um, I it was funny because I thought I had beat this game when I was younger, but when I got to the temple and the the, t- the caverns and stuff, I was like, no, I've never played this before. I never got this far. So and in my everyone- head, I was like, Everyone, please Good. send hate messages to Matt because he has a Steam Deck, and there's still a waiting list for people like me who want a Steam Deck. Dude, what? I almost got one yesterday. What are you talking about, Wolf? 
There are still people on. who who, who are on, on the waiting list that can't get a Steam Deck. What what waiting list are you on? I am on Steam right now, and all three versions are available. Expected delivery one to two weeks. So so they're finally available to the general public again. They've been available for since October. Okay, because I remember that list was so ungodly long, and I wanted one. I kept begging my wife. I'm like, you know, I, I really would like to have one of those Steam Decks for Christmas. And she's like, well, maybe <laughs> Santa will bring you one. Santa didn't bring me a Steam Deck for Christmas. He brought me COVID. And I really wanted a Steam <laughs> Deck for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Santa, exactly. can I have the coal instead? Like, <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah. I, I'm extremely jealous and um, so pl- please send him hate mail because I am unbelievably jealous of this gentleman um, for having something all that's super mail. cool. I love, <laughs> I love responding to hate mail. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I almost had a Steam Deck. I've almost had one twice now in the past probably month from trade deals. So I had a guy I was messaging back and forth with yesterday. He's got one for sale not far from our area. Um, Thomas, and he's only wanting five hundred dollars for it. Let me look back and see which model it is. Um, but I almost he had a trade deal work. Do what? He probably bricked it. I don't know, <laughs> but I almost had a trade deal worked out for it, and he was just kind of like, uh, "I kind of not sure." He's like, "Maybe," and he, we kept going back and forth, and then he's like, "I finally got a cash offer. I'm going to go ahead and sell it." It was a 64 gig one. So, um, yeah, we so were, 500 is a hundred dollars more than what valve sells it for. You can have it in your hands in two weeks. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it was funny, but we were going to trade music gear and I've got a lot of music and recording gear. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've, I've got a lot of stuff. Even, even now, like I have my recording set up to do music and I've got probably two full setups interfaces mixing boards microphones everything in addition so like i have a backup for my backup and i don't need any of that stuff you know so i was like you know what i think i might sell some of this stuff and then the dude was like open to trades for music gear i'm like i'm your guy i got all this crap but anyways he ended up actually taking a cash deal he kind of you know farted around on it and then i had a guy yesterday i was talking to um, or day before yesterday I was talking to, and he wasn't looking for trades, but I offered a bunch of stuff since I had fresh pictures and we kind of went back and forth, but he ended up saying no for now. We'll see if I would, he, he said he'd trade for a PS five, but I'm like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I like my PS five. So, you can have, all right, guys, go ahead. Like, like you can have my, um, old school PS two slim version. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. I, I can trade you a PS2 and a PS3. We'll call it five. So, so for this music stuff, uh, off topic here for a second. Um, what type of music did you make that you had to get that you're thinking of getting rid of your music stuff? Was it just like uh, the music for your church, music for singing, like you know, like for oh. country, pop, rock? Oh, so I uh, traveled in a metal band for six and a half-ish years. Okay. I did play for a church. I played bass for a church for a couple years. Um, I play guitar in my band. All the music that I play on the podcast is stuff that I wrote. So, like, the intro song, I wrote, recorded, produced it, 
um, the outro songs that I use are actual songs for different musical. Uh, some some of them are side projects. Some of them are actual the band that I travel with. Um, I did all of the writing for all of it and the recording for uh, anything string, anything string related. So guitar, bass, I do all the writing, uh, guitar recording and uh, mixing for that stuff. The drums, our actual drummer does. And then, of course, the vocalist just comes in once we did all the hard work and he just hollers at the microphone for a little while. Um, so I do all that stuff myself. And <clears throat> I've got um, right now, I've, I've still got a handful of guitars left. I've got a bass left. Um, I've got some guitar pedals, some mixing boards, uh, recording interfaces. I've got several microphones, instrument mics, things like that. Um, several hundred dollars worth of stuff left. Um, but I've, I, I've gotten rid of, that's not true. I've got two bases and acoustic three electrics. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got a lot of, I got a lot of stuff. My, I got a lot of stuff in my basement that I like just hanging up on the wall or sitting in a bin somewhere. And I've got, um, um, almost a full PA still down there. I've gotten okay. rid of most of the speakers for it. I've just got like the, the head, the power amp. Um, <clears throat> stuff like that. So I, I still have a decent amount of stuff. I just, you know, stuff that I'll probably never use again. And I, what I have in my office right now, I've got a tube cabinet with my seven string guitar mounted on the wall above it. And <clears throat> the board that I use now, the effects processor that I use, the tech in it's so good. I don't really, cause I don't play live and I, I, I don't really need like true tone, like, like um pedals anymore so i just use this little processor and this processor that i have has kind of replaced all the different interfaces that i used so it's like i've got some interfaces that are better for recording vocals and and like acoustic guitar i've got interfaces that are good for you know programming electric stuff and a lot of sound effects and then i've got just a regular mixing board that you could do anything in and <clears throat> i don't really need any of that stuff anymore because for the podcast, I use a USB microphone into our recording software. And then for my guitar stuff, I use this effects processor that's it's like a one-stop shop for everything. So I need to talk to you privately on some of those things, man. I've been yeah. getting back into writing again, and uh, I've been working on this one song for a while now. And uh, I really want to get that song corrected. Well, what I mean by corrected is put the music behind it and then lay down the vocals. That's the look. I've always been the front man. I I can't I can't play an instrument. I've always wanted to play an instrument, but I have these big thick hands, and I cannot play an instrument to save my life. The only thing I've been able to do my whole life is play the, the damn tam tambourine, like there an idiot. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like I've always. I mean, I mean, I got the chops, man. Trust me. When when, when I sing, I, I'm pretty good. Uh, but uh, I do need to lay down some tracks and it's more of a dedication song to uh my daughter and my love for her in in the correct way um <laughs> um but um i've i've rewritten this song like four or five times man and and uh everybody's gonna say i'm a big wuss here but uh every time i sing it man i can't stop crying because my infinity love for her and and the song's basically about you know um i'll go ahead and ruin it for some people is about um your own mortality and coming to terms that eventually you're going to die. So you want to leave something to somebody they can always remember you by. And what better way of saying that? And you know, I I drew on many 
different inspirations when writing it, but I always go back to a song uh, from Conway Twitty, That's My Job, and then there's a couple of songs from um, Hank Williams Sr., and then uh, Merle Hagger, and then you just, you know, of course, you know, some rock people, but still, it's always that, you know, we cannot beat Father Time, and I'll right. leave it at that. And so, what better way to have your daughter or your son or whoever remember you by leaving a song for them that can be that when you write something, not only that you wrote it with your heart and soul, but when you sung it, you you sung it with heart and soul. In other words, it wasn't just something like, oh, I just read these lyrics and it meant nothing to me. Every word has my my soul attached to it, has my my voice, my my pain, my sorrows, knowing that I'll no longer be there to be with you, to guide you or to help you. Absolutely, man. So like, check this out. I just sent both of you guys a uh, link to a song by Stained. That is the song that I named my daughter after. So <clears throat> I'm going to leave you guys with that one. It's called Zoe Jane. And it, it does exactly what you're talking about. Just that, that kind of leaving that song behind, expressing the love a parent has for a child. Wow. Way to come full circle here <laughs> from where we started before the show. Way to go, Matt. Way to keep us in this infinite loop of parenthood. But, uh, but yeah, definitely hit me up, man. And, uh, that song out. That's what I named my daughter after. So, all right, I am going to cut us off right here. Thank you, Matt, so much for everything, dude. Thank you, Thomas, for coming on here and, and talking shop and, and, and sharing your soul with us because you got, uh, yeah, Matt, obviously opened the door and we had to go get all deep about our kids and stuff. So um, definitely appreciate all you guys for supporting the show for checking it out. Uh, when you hear this, it will be the new year. So happy new year guys. Um, definitely. It was a great year for the loot bros, a great year of gaming. We got a great year ahead of us. And the next episode we're going to record will be the end of the backlog beat down three. It will be the results uh, from the infamous spreadsheet. The winners will be announced. All the prizes will be laid out before you. That's right. There may or may not be prizes that I never, ever talked about before, but I got some cool ideas for some fun stuff. And we're going to launch the Backlog Beatdown 4. We're calling it Back for Blood, a little bit of a play on words. But we've got some new rules. We're changing things up. We've had our uh, spreadsheet revamped. I want to give a huge shout out to Kali's husband, Jim. He had made us a brand new toy, a brand new Excel spreadsheet that is way more gooder. That's that proper English than our last one. So super stoked about this and the contest slash event moving forward. So next week's event is going to be about the Backlog Beatdown 3 and the launching of the BLB 4. So definitely appreciate you guys. This has been the Loot Bros Podcast. We're out of here.
I search for love, but it's not there. I'm screaming out, but no one cares. Everybody's got a foot in the grave. Can I really expect to be saved? In a world that is so depraved, feels like I'm going insane. Tell me when these things are gonna change. Every single day I keep on asking myself, what's going on in the world outside? Every single day that I look at the news, it's like so many people keep dying, keep trying to hold my tears. I've been here 30 years, I can tell you 30 fears that I have, but I'm glad to still be alive, I know that. Tell me when's it enough, there's no one out here to trust, but I know it will never be like it used to be. I saw through all of these lies, what authority scales from my eyes. All of this hatred and bloodshed will lead to our demise. Have I created enough tension? Brought up any suspicion? Well, listen, it's my mission to make you think for yourself. Don't put your brain on a shelf. You think that things are okay? I'll never tell you it's safe. You can only close your eyes so long. But refusing to see what's in front of you doesn't make these problems go. But I really hope that you've been listening to all the words that I've thrown. No, it's not just a song. No, it's not just a song. My heart appeals to my chest. Too stressed when I pass this test. I don't know what's next. I could be taking my last breath. But I know what made when I fall. I'm still gonna answer this call. Even though sometimes it feels I'm alone in this nightmare. I search for love, but it's not there. I'm screaming out, but no one cares. Everybody's gonna find it in the grave. Can I really expect to be saved? In a world that is so depraved. Feels like I'm going insane. Tell me what these things are gonna change. Tell me when these things are gonna change. When we only have ourselves to blame Tell me when these things are gonna change We take the 